It is the 556th edition of the Chair Shop Podcast coming to you from our studio's new location, teetering over the edge of Springfield Chasm. Uh, <laughs> folks, there has been a wind or two uh, this past week here over on the old uh, British Isles. Um, it's been nasty. It's been loud. Um, it's been It's been loud again. Uh, but we've all survived. We're all here um, from our little, from our little uh, uh, safe dens. I'm one of your hosts of this year's Chair Shop Podcast, Barry, joined as always by my ever dependable co-host. First of all, Mr. Paul Griffin. I often have bad winds, so this week has just been normal for me. <laughs> Ooh! It, just in case the joke wasn't low, but I wouldn't know. Do the fart noise. <laughs> I did a little matron afterwards, you know. I made this mistake of taking a big gulp of Pepsi right after that. Uh, And also, with this shitting all the way, it's Joe Towner. Um, Yeah, hello, everybody. We're back. We're back. We survived. We did survive. It's it's still kind of ongoing. It seems very variable all over the place, but Mm -hmm. it's still going here. Um, myself and brother, we do live like right on, right on the waterfront, which means it's quite um, it's quite nice to be inside, looking out and having a, a view of the water. It's all choppy, but uh, flip side of that is there is a constant sound of bins being turned over, gates mm. being rattled, car alarms, uh, people for some reason out and about of a Saturday night uh, during the middle of a storm. Going, ah, oh my god, I'm getting blown alert! Of course, yeah, you fucking cunt, you're in fucking the middle of a storm. Go home. Anyway, uh, but yeah, we survived. How, how, how have you lads fared amidst all the chaos? Anything major around your way? It's pretty bland here, I would say, actually. Uh, it's it's obviously not nice. It's very wet. It's very overcast. Uh, but windy, yeah, averagely windy, I would say. Um, I think it's worse on your side and then on Joe's <laughs> side. For whatever reason, we're like Homer Simpson coming out and just yeah. seeing the, the quickie mart go by in, in the distance. Um. Yeah, nothing crazy. So it, it's been unpleasant, but I not to the point where you look out the window and marvel at how mad the weather is. Ugh. I think we were ultra prepared. Like I, I was out on the uh, Thursday, and I came home, and Michelle was like, I've, "I've, we've got three wheelie bins, right? We've got the recycling bin, general yeah. one, and then a garden waste bin." So she put them all around, yeah. like in the back garden, kind of lined up against the wall, and we were like. <laughs> very prepared and then during the day on friday we kept looking out the back window just to see if the wheelie bins had moved and every time they crept forward six inches uh, we went out and pulled them back just to be on the safe side it was like very protective yeah other than that nothing nothing too dramatic a few trees down uh near where we live uh but no major damage uh of course i am old enough to remember the uh the great storm of 1987 um, one of the biggest storms to ever hit uh, the, the south of England, um, which tore down literally every tree in the area. I remember it's one of my earliest memories as a kid. Yeah. We went to the local park and there were 20, 30, 40 trees just toppled over, wow. which was crazy. So fortunately, nothing like nothing that bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Exciting, though, to stay in and just every so often just look out the window and go, oh, Windy, are they? <laughs> Windy. 
Yeah, I don't remember the 87 storm, unfortunately. Uh, being in Ireland and not being born yet. Wow. Uh, Convenient. Yeah. Um, well, what have I been up to this week? I went to Le Dentiste. Oh, wonderful. I, I, I'm one of those people who really dislikes going to the dentist. Uh, which I think is more... Yeah. <laughs> As I sit here drinking a lovely old Pepsi Max ruining my teeth. <laughs> Uh, no, because um, I have a tooth in the top of my mouth, which is uh, is like Darth Vader. It's less tooth than man. Uh, it's 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 a bit of hardware. It's, it's they they did a they put a screw up into your gummy worm, do a little ball on the end of it, and then kind of build a facade of a tooth around it. Okay. Uh, and I don't know when it happened, but I did notice as I was watching rampage last week that the back of it had come off. Uh, so the back of the tooth broke off, basically. So I went into the dentist. Because you know when you go to the dentist, you have to go in for them to see it to then bring you back another day to fix it. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. I'm telling you what the problem is. I'll come in and you fix it. Um, but anyway, I went in to give me the old, the old clean... And they said, come back and we, we, we just need to do a filling. So I was happy that it's not going to cost me uh, an arm and leg to repair. It's just to be a, a little a little old filling-y on the, on the back. Um, but yeah, I was mental busy at the dentist. It was, uh, I went in for my uh, 3.30 appointment. And there was like f- five people in there waiting for their appointments. So luckily, because I was only going for a, a clean primarily. I was brought right in. I didn't have to wait at all. But uh, yeah, the dentist, not the most pleasant of places. Even when they clean your teeth, it's a little bit like... Don't like it. No, they ha- they, 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 um, they have the little... I don't know what the, the device is called, but it's like a little scraper. And they're scraping yes. the gunk out of like your teeth. You, when you picture... Well, you haven't had it done before. You picture them coming in with a beautiful big toothbrush, like a cartoon <laughs> character's toothbrush. Yeah. And then they come in with what's basically like, imagine a toothbrush with no brush on the end, and they just put a wire on the end of it. It is like something from, from The Simpsons. It is like something yeah. they would do in yeah. a skit to scare you about the dentist. It's like, I'm just going to scrape this bit of metal up, up, across your gums for a bit. Don't worry, there will be bleeding, but that's normal. <laughs> I like that bit. Yeah, I, I, I don't particularly like that, but... Tell you what, my teeth look damn good, and they did say that the rest of my teeth are pretty good. So I, I, good. Ho- hopefully, knock on wood, stuff. There'll be no trips back to the dentist, aside from you know going in to get it cleaned once or twice a year. Because uh, I have had some dentist trips that were very expensive in the past. So, given that I just spent a lot of money on the suit last uh, for the wedding a few weeks ago, I'm going to be going back to the gym tomorrow and paying my yearly subscription for that i didn't want to be spending loads of dentist money as well so i'm happy that's not going to cost me too much um oh and then in final news i was going to show this is this is unfortunately for our listeners not going to be visible but i was going to show to uh barry and joe these are my favorite pair of pajama bottoms right beautiful okay they're 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 fabulous or at least they were a big old hole in them Oh no! That just makes like, them more charming. I will more. Yeah, I, lit- <laughs> I tore the crotch out of them. So far as wearing them, I'd have my little oh. pecker swinging in the breeze. Um, <laughs> I went to get something off the bed, 
and I put I kept my one my right leg in a kind of crouched position and my left leg back to the floor and my knees were just too far apart that the middle bit exploded and so okay. my, my favorite uh, they're not actually pajamas they are what is called uh, at least on the on the Aldi packaging where I bought them lounge pants lounge, lounge yes. pants yes Ooh. lounge is, is is I think I think just because men still have a hang up about buying pajamas I think so <laughs> yeah. so they have to be lounge pants so I had them for two years and now they're going to the lounge pants emporium in the sky. No. Oh no, <laughs> the big Aldi in the sky, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, as I said, back to the gym tomorrow. I've I've uh, not been to the gym since before Christmas, as my uh, my annual subscription to the gym expired, and I just have been too busy <laughs> to go back. But I will be going back tomorrow. Hopefully, the weather won't uh, prohibit me from that because I do walk half an hour to the gym so unless i get blown into the canal or something uh, i should be good to make it the whole way and uh, that's what i've been up to this week nothing crazy i am um, yourself joe uh not not too much it's quite a weekend what with the, the weather and everything but um went out we had our kind of uh financial year kickoff at work so i actually went into the office two days in a row which oh god jesus first time in quite a long time uh that was exhausting um <laughs> So it was it was kind of fun. We went we went to a different <laughs> we went to a different WeWork. So that was you know, very exciting. Uh, different whole different office. They actually had table football and a pool table at this point. So we did have a game of table football afterwards. So that was fun. Um, yes, yeah, so that was good. But then we went out for kind of dinner and drinks on on the Thursday, uh, and we went to the world's loudest restaurant, baby. Um, it Is that was how cr- they advertise it. Yeah, it's one of those fucking annoying American things where they're like, you come in and we're like, hey, bitch, where'd you want to sit? Have you ever seen those things advertised or like a video online? They're they're like, here's your bill, dumb fuck. And it's like, what? What? Most people just talk that way anyway. Why would I like to get that at a restaurant? (laughs) It's the authentic New York experience. (laughs) Get on this guy. Anyway. That sounds like it would have been better, to be honest. But it was a place called The Gas Station. Uh, in <laughs> wow. King's Cross, and um, it's quite a little trendy place, you know. And there, there's a lot of seafood and stuff, which I don't really like seafood to be honest. But they did have, you know, burger, steak, a bit of chicken, so that was yeah. um, But we all kind of like sat down, and then they just they just turned the music up to the point where I, it was like, "Am I in a club?" Like I literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't hear what other people are saying next to me because this music was so loud. I've never been to a restaurant. And I'm like, am I just getting old or is this what they do now? Like, but it's literally, you're sat there going, what, what are you, th- you going to have? What, if you had a look at the menu, is, is, uh, who ordered the Diet Coke? Who, what? Yeah. Uh, oh, no. It's just like that. For, we were there for two hours and it's literally, I'm just, and I already had a headache because I had to go to the office <laughs> for once in a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I just sat there like a start of a headache and this music pounding for two hours and we're waiting for the food to come out and like oh my god I never ever want to go anywhere loud ever again but I think it it has gotten worse kind of working at home because you're just used to controlling the sound obviously like being right. at home it's quite quiet yeah. unless you've got Barry's neighbors you know playing of course yeah, yeah. they were night. back this week they were back oh yeah <laughs> Um, but usually, you know, you don't have like other people having a conversation in the office like you would. You know, when mm. I was in the office, you got 
two or three other conversations going on around you and it's just like oh my god I can't concentrate unless I've got complete silence (laughs) like I need to work in a library um so I think I've just kind of lost that tolerance for any kind of noise Mm. um and so yeah this restaurant was torturous (laughs) I will not ever be going back there to be honest but um yeah the food was all right except they forgot my chips so motherfuckers they probably didn't hear you order it (laughs) I know I should have screamed fucking chips at this waitress (laughs) <laughs> but, um, especially if you're having steak or like a burger yeah well, I, had, I had half a roast chicken which oh, was yeah. very nice and luckily we had like we'd ordered a few extra dishes so there were some spare chips yeah. I took but I don't want to fucking play your chips if I'm honest so um, yeah not I'll give that a very uh, thumbs in the middle leaning down kind of a mm. review do not, do not visit the gas station at King's Cross London yeah, the old four <laughs> o'clock thumb yeah yeah oh dear uh, that, was, that was the week so that was alright other That's than that other than that it was alright um yeah I uh, followed on from from last week's uh, uh life go I've just been um we have looked at a lot of houses because we're on a house hunt at the moment which is, is two, one part exciting but two part like draining mm. uh because like I don't know I guess it really is just a seller's market because we reach out to like an agency and we're obviously myself and bro we got work from home nine to five jobs as you know, most people do yeah. and they come back and they go yeah so you're like 11 and I'm like well, I work. <laughs> it's just like, you know, so there's been, a, now thankfully the people I work with are very accommodating on some of those, but there's been an awful lot of going into the group chat saying, hey, can I take my two 15 minute breaks at 11 o'clock? And then yeah. we have to run to the car, drive to the house, look at the house, try and take it in, try and learn something about the fucking house while we're there, and then quickly drive back so we can plug into work. And then there was one day last week where we did that at 11 o'clock. Then someone had to drive me to the uh, the place where you go to get your learner's permit to drive, because I also did that this week. And then mm. we went from there to literally polar opposite side of the city to do- look at another house. Um, uh, so there's just been an awful lot of that, trying to squeeze in, you know, um, meals in between that uh, has been a bit of a pain. An awful lot of immediately straight away, like starting work early to leave early to race out the door as soon as as soon as you clock out and then come home uh, and try and eat something. You know, there's been a lot of that. So it's been very draining. Um, uh, I feel like just before we started this uh, uh, hunt, we were very much on a let's mix up our dinners. Let's get something a bit more healthy in here. We had some salads. I've had some salmon lately, which is very <laughs> not me. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. It was quite delicious. But then this past week, it's just been like falling in the door at like half seven. And just mm. Let's just get McDonald's on the way home. And just a lot of that. So uh, busy and then eating like shit, Bibber, to, to <laughs> refuel the energy stocks has not been a very good combo um, uh, this week. But, you know, exciting times nonetheless. These are these are this is the this is the fun of it all. Also, just finding out all about all the um, all the expenses involved in looking for a house before you even fucking get one. Uh, have you guys heard of this uh, uh, survey surveyors racket? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Basically, yeah. when you're when you're interested in a house, you get a, a survey done, right, to say, hey, yeah. it, the foundation isn't sinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. The yeah, attic yeah. isn't going to collapse on top of you. Great, right? So we saw one house, and we were chatting to a fella about it, and we were like, oh, yeah, it's really interested, you know, nothing, nothing too formal. Like, oh, yeah, we, we, we would ask all interested parties to get a, a survey done. And I was like, oh, because, again, we're first-timers, this is all completely new, and, we, and we're like, is, 
is that not like would the person selling it not get that done and have a search? Say, here's here's the search. It's a little house. No, 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 no. Each individual person who is interested in this house can do it. And so you do this. This, this, is before, this is before you get the house. This is before they even agree to sell you the house. This is literally just if you are interested, go and get a survey for 250 euro. Um, just, to, uh, just to do the bare bones, have a guy come in and knock on the walls and go, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's got walls. Uh, yeah. It's got walls, got walls. Yeah, oh, four walls that and looks, a roof. That looks Ooh. like a window to me. Looks like yes. a window. Oh, and it opens and everything. 250 quid. And that is per house and it's zero guarantee you get it that is literally just if you want to go any further with this conversation go and get that done um yeah that's good love that um uh so that's 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 uh that's been adding to the energy draining um uh factor but nonetheless very exciting i would hope before the end of this calendar year i'm going to set a very broad goal don't get my hopes up in this very fragile market but I would love at the end of this calendar year if I was in a new little dedicated broadcasting space. That's what. Yeah. That's too. my that's my goal. Um, but we'll yeah, see how that goes. We're we're waiting till June, I guess, because obviously I st- I started a new job. Natty was closed a bit over Christmas, so to show the old banky, the old six month, mm. yeah, yeah, pay deal. But uh, pay has been going pretty good lately. I'd say for both of us, right? Yeah, she's getting the peace sign. <laughs> so we're looking. We we we're looking to. T- I keep saying we need to do it, and then we 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 don't do it. But we need to talk to somebody, uh, like an advisor, about if we're going about it the right way. Because I'm yeah. saving, I'm saving about two grand a month. Wow, for the deposit, like of course. Then yeah, obviously, yeah. some last month it wasn't two grand because I dropped three hundred on a suit. Tomorrow will be three hundred on the gym. Yeah. Uh, so the dentist. So we've we we have a our deposit is, or I call I keep on our deposit our savings for the house. Well, we're, yeah, we're like you, yeah, I know what you mean. Your savings that yeah. you want to be a deposit. Yeah, which will go towards you know whatever various payments we have to make as well. But mm. we're we're like north of sixty G's at the moment. Okay, keep good. saving, keep saving. But like with the job change, that was a big spanner because we were hoping to already have started, but. Yeah, I got fucking offered a job that paid me six grand more a year, and I had to be, take, take it, it like an idiot, um, with no commission, which is good as well. Because I know for um, the bank people, like that you have like the like default. This is what yes, you absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is which is weird because what I the way my pay is without getting <laughs> doxing myself and giving out TMI. Um, the way my pay is done is I have a base salary, and then I get a three thousand euro bonus. Which right. is they call like the the Dublin Dublin living bonus. So if you're living in Dublin, they pay you more. Right. Um, yeah. Which which number one I don't, but they were like, eh, it's close enough. Close um, enough. Yeah. But the thing is, I get that regardless. It's not a like performance bonus or anything. It's just an extra amount they pay me for taking the job. But it's okay. It's it it's weird because they actually separate like this is what your salary is and this is your, the bonus. But really, the salary is both combined. So hopefully, right. the bank will not see it the other way when i'm like no no if i do no work i still get that money (laughs) yeah yeah anyway that's life so hopefully before long we'll all be living in lovely self-owned abodes that's it that's it i would i would love to have a room where i didn't have to shove the work computer into the corner to put the podcasting computer down 
Likewise, then grab it, go into the living room to do Twitch on Wednesdays and Thursdays, you know. <laughs> no, I anticipate, I want to have a room where I have all my fucking DVDs and all. Like, yes. I'll just look the same, except the bed will be in a different room. That's basically yeah. what it will be. That's, that, that's all we want. We're simple that's men. The dream. We're simple yeah. men. Speaking of simple men, let's talk about all the movies and the video games we've been playing and, and all of that. Ooh, yeah. uh, before we get to that, music goff for the week. Music goff. I'm going to review, so I spoke last week about listening to a bit of uh, Lord, yes. or Lord, Lordy, as I like to call her, mm. um, and how I, I only really listen to uh, Spotify. <laughs> uh, this is Lordy, this is Lord playlist. Uh, or song song radio, but I did actually listen to, an, to her album. I did actually mm. listen to her debut album, uh, Pure Heroin, uh, which came out nine years ago. Um, wow, it, that's a shock! Yeah, first onto the scene with a fantastic debut album. I think you will all agree. Uh, so I did actually listen to the whole album, and it, it was just good. It's good. It's good. I don't. Know, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about it. I'm not much. I wouldn't say I'm a great music reviewer. I'll be honest. No. no. I'm a bit of a kind of the Ricky Gervais, uh, uh, nine out of ten. Yeah, good. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Obviously, Royals was the big hit. Uh, Barry's sick of it, but I sick still like it. it. Um, yeah. it has been played, obviously, a tremendous amount, but I think, think it's still a great song. Mm. Um, probably less played, but kind of a similar sort of theme uh, is the song Team, um, which is also really, really good. Uh, and then other than that, Tennis tennis Court was good. And, uh, yeah, just a good kind of solid album, top to bottom, really. I couldn't... There's no songs on there. We go mm, a bit bored of this one, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just uh, every every song was kind of solid, so I'm um, big big thumbs up for for Lord. Well, that's what I, what I like about listening to an album is you versus like the best the best mm. of the Beatles um, is you just find some hidden gems sometimes. Like Royals might not be the best song on the album, yeah. and you never you know would find out unless you give it the go. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's what I, I, I like about albums as well that there's kind of peaks and valleys to them and one song and themes and themes but like one song in isolation you might think oh well that's as good as you think it is but sometimes if it's preceded by uh, a lesser song or a song of a certain tone like a slower song and then it comes into this fast song you can kind of react to it differently than you might in in a, a playlist of upbeat songs for example um okay i haven't listened to much lord i'm i like uh you guys and or or Joe prior check to out you should check out Royal Sound of the Summer. <laughs> That's the only one I know is the the oh we are royal. Um <laughs> it's royal by Lord. Royals. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to a new album and also I did that thing I do where I added some music to spot to my Spotify that isn't on Spotify. So you know sometimes uh when when a band releases or, or an artist releases a new album, they'll put up like the standard edition, but also the deluxe edition that has like the mm. the bonus tracks. Yeah, I don't like that. I disagree with it. I don't think that should happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, I, I have a red line. I think there should be one version. I agree, but I think the one version should be the one that has all the tracks on. Like that's, I don't I don't that's fine. I don't, that's fine. Yeah. I don't like when to your point, Joe, I don't like when uh I'm being gatekept from songs that I know they have. Hmm. This is not on Spotify for well, like arbitrary. Do a separate album. Do a separate album with those tracks. Exactly. On it. I, like I'm looking actually at the track listing for Pure Heroin, and there's Japanese version bonus tracks, another yeah. three songs, and then there's the extended version bonus tracks, digital only, which yeah. is another six. 
Yeah, you didn't get to hear the M6, Joe. You're not allowed because they're on Spotify. I don't, I don't count that. That's bollocks. Yeah. So, uh, as part of my listening to the old ghost stuff uh, in anticipation of the new album, which is coming out in three weeks' time, I downloaded all of those uh, illegally, all of those um, extra tracks, and made a little playlist on Spotify of ghost b-sides ghost bonus tracks and listen to them as their own little album 59 minute album uh some really good covers they do a cover of the beatles here comes the sun which is suitably spooky Mm -hmm. i included in that the uh halloween kills uh version of hunter's moon which is a song on the new album and yeah there's some really good stuff on there but unfortunately it's not on spotify so if you want to listen to it you got to download it illegally add it to your local files in spotify and then sync it to your phone um but as far as new music goes i listened to a new double album by a uh, a group called beach house okay um which is called once twice melody mm-hmm. uh so what i would describe beach house as to someone who's never heard them uh, so imagine you're, you're watching a, a David Lynch film and mm. there's a scene in the local uh, dive bar and the, the mic, uh, please welcome to the stage. It's Beach House. And there's a, a girl with a microphone and like a synthesizer, uh, a keyboard. I can, I can never say because of my lisp, I can't say synthesizer properly. There you go. No, you um, uh, and then there's a guy with like, a bald guy with a mustache and maybe like glasses at like, do you know those drum machines that aren't drums but have like two pads? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Gotta hate those. <laughs> That's what Beach House sounded like. <laughs> um, I would say very, very similar to Wolf Alice, which I, I reviewed their Blue Weekend album last year and really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was one of my favorite albums, probably second favorite after the Griff EP. Uh, I would say I liked the Beach House album maybe even more than that. Okay. Mm. Uh, and that was excellent. Excellent. Now, it is a double, al- a double album, so it is one hour 24, right? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, on this podcast, we've said before, uh, do not be too long, baby. 45 minutes to 50 is the perfect length. Uh, I was actually, I didn't mind for this. I was like, yeah, keep it coming. Keep it coming. Uh, the best track, for example, is called Over and Over. And it's over seven minutes long, um, but like great, really great. Yeah. One thing that Beach House do well is uh, they have that ethereal, like I said, David Lynchy in in a dive bar electro electronic band sound down. But what they do even better, I think, than Wolf Alice is they they really nail the like big chorus, the big pop chorus. So they can have a, a, a song that seems pretty understated. With, you know, it has kind of quite light vocals. It is a female vocalist, and it's, it's a little bit like Florence and the Machine, Bat okay. for Lashes, that kind of sound. But then when it comes into the chorus, you get the big synth uh, sound. It, 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 you know, they do very big choruses for what is otherwise like a quite understated sound. Um, yeah, I, I pretty much loved it. There are some songs, especially I think towards the end, that you could make the argument of like <laughs> rather than do the double album could you have done a really strong one hour but like i like we we're talking when we we're talking about lord i think sometimes t- 
to, for some songs to stand out. You need to have some lesser songs in there. You need to have uh, a Peter Avalon match to truly appreciate the Kenny Omega main event. You know? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so I would, I would heartily recommend it. It's easily the best album of the year that I've listened to. Um, it is long, though, so make sure you put time aside to listen to it. It's called Once, Twice, Melody, and it's by a band called Beach House. I was going to be a Lionel Richie there, though. It's once, twice, three <laughs> yeah, times a melody. <laughs> well, I would recommend. That's my that's recommendation good. for nice. them. I think it'll, be, it'll definitely be up there for album of the year when we get to it. For, for some to beat, it'll be really good. A hearty endorsement. Nice. Yeah. Although we do have Ghost and Red Hot Chili Peppers albums coming in the next two months. So. Oh, well, Red Hot Chili Peppers haven't had a good album in 75 years, so I wouldn't worry about it. Back when they were middle-aged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, so we'll uh, jump on there from uh, the audio world to the audiovisual, uh, and we'll talk about telly golf. Uh, I watched some telly this week. Me and the girlfriend finished Yellow Jackets, mm. the sort of... Uh, Hot show of, of January, I believe it was. Uh, showtime in the States. And we really thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't realize until about the second to last episode. I don't know where I got this idea. I thought this was maybe a little bit of a Mandela effect type thing. I thought this was like a one-off miniseries they were doing. And so when I got to episode 8 of 10, I was like, how are they going to wrap all this stuff up? <laughs> What's going on, lads? Because they... So the, if anyone has, has not heard of this, it, it is a bit Lost-esque. We've talked about it on the show, haven't we? One, yeah, one of the, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a bit Lost-esque, uh, a team of very talented uh, uh, high school U.S. Uh, soccer players. Soccer. Soccer. Get, uh, their plane crashes in these very mysterious woods. Things get a little bit uh, Lord of the Flies. Uh, and again, uh, somewhat Lost-esque. It kind of feels like the, the it opens with this very intriguing. The first episode has this very intriguing flash forward where things mm. have gone a bit culty, and there's a, a girl who we can't quite make out who she is. She's running through the woods, she's being chased, she falls into like this horrible spike trap, and then uh, the other girls who are all masked pull her from the spikes and they eat her basically. And that's your that's your kind of your grab, that's your hook. And then I, and we were, I was on like episode eight. I was like, how are we getting back to this? That seems like ages away. We're not even kind of there. And then it was like, Ronan looked up. It's like, no, there's like a second season coming. It's like, oh, okay. Because they were kind of constantly adding to the ball of twine uh, of mysteries. There's like, a, mm. like every episode, there's like a new thing popping up. You're like, wait, what's that? Wait, what? Oh, what did that mean? Oh, mm, 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 what's happening here? And so that's, that's, that's the kind of intrigue in it. And, and that kind of is the show. That kind of is the appeal of the show. You've got your two timelines. You've got current day and, and uh, flashback to the, the Strand of Times. I think they're both pretty compelling. I think the current day stuff, maybe not so much as the uh, as the wilderness uh, teenager scenes. Uh, although, ironically, I think the current day stuff has has the better cast. Uh, the, the whole cast is great. Um, Christina Ricci is tremendous. I can't remember the last time I saw her in anything, but she's tremendous in, uh, in, in Yellow Jackets. Uh, Melanie Linsky, who's great in everything. Uh, uh, also great in this. Um, yeah, really, really solid. I was starting to, towards the end of that first season, I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if I'd watch another season. It's good. It's really good. It's weird. And it's stylish. Great music. And I was like, I don't know if they got me, but like they had a strong finale for me. So, okay, all right, let's go. I'll, this, I'll, I'll be there to, to catch that first episode because they did do just enough to kind of 
intrigue you for the for the second season. So yeah, thumbs up on on Yellow Jackets. Uh, uh, in particular, is really fantastic cast up and down. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's the only really telly of note uh, for me this week. What about you, boys? Uh, a couple of shows. So one I mentioned several weeks back called Kevin Can F Himself, mm. uh, which is a kind of part satire of your typical studio sitcom, uh, like a, a King of Queens, where there's a schlubby uh, pig of a husband <laughs> with a yeah. kind of put put upon housewife. Um, so it's partly that. But then it when they leave the main kind of studio set, it turns into a quite sort of dark um, drama. Um, where this this housewife played by Annie Murphy um, is plotting to kind of get out of this marriage. You know, it, it portrays it as very realistic when it's away from the studio kind of sitcom setting. Um, so yeah, we, we finished the whole series, I think eight episodes and it's, I wouldn't say it's a um, kind of go out of your way, you have to see it sort of show. Um, I would recommend it. I think it's kind of interesting, a very kind of interesting take. And I think, um, Annie Murphy who plays the lead. I've not. I don't think I've seen her in anything before. She was in Shit's Creek, which I, I didn't watch, but um, she's really, really good. I think that she kind of holds the show together. Really, her performance. So she's really good, and it's kind of funny and kind of interesting. Um, I think the one weakness of it though is that the the husband only ever appears in the kind of sitcom world. He never appears in the kind of real world, and so you the tension or her kind of hatred of him doesn't necessarily feel earned because you only see this kind of buffoonish cartoony sitcom character. So then she's there like crying and like, oh, I need a divorce and I hate him. I want to kill him and all this stuff. And it's like, well, he's just a bit of a tear. He's like a Homer Simpson type character. So you don't really get that, that kind of weight to it, which is a bit of a problem with the series. But yeah, apart from that, uh, I did enjoy it a lot. So if you do have Amazon prime, um, you're looking for something a bit different. I would check out Kevin can F himself. Mm. Uh, they are going to do a second season. Um, not sure when, but yeah, I think that's going to be just, the, that's going to be it. It's going to be two seasons and, and out, which is good. So it's a little, uh, little show. Don't overstay. It's welcome. A couple of okay. seasons and, and get out. Yeah. So that was good. And then another show on Apple TV plus. Um, we're, we're hitting up all the streaming services here. Yes. We've got prime. We've got plus we've got, uh, movie, you know, Netflix, now TV. I'm paying a fucking fortune. For all you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make those cuts. You gotta um, make the cuts. They gotta got go. A, we've got to get rid of something. Um, but yeah, anyway, we started watching a new show called Severance, um, which is I don't know if it's created by Ben Stiller, but he he directs. Well, he's directed the first couple of episodes. I assume he's a you know pro- producer, creator of it as well. Uh, it stars Adam Scott from from Parks and Rec as a kind of main character. And it's kind of a, I say, like dystopian, almost kind of sci-fi drama slash thriller. Um, and the the kind of concept is that there's a group of people that work at this kind of faceless corporation, and they've undergone a brain surgery that almost kind of splits their brain in two. So when they're at work, that's kind of one personality, and when they're outside, it's another personality. And they don't see the other side of their life. So the people in the office, they only exist in the office. They don't know what they do once they leave. And the people who exist outside the office have no idea what goes on inside the office. And it's kind of done for like security reasons because they're supposed to work on very confidential, slightly, there's a kind of mystery to what they're actually working on. And it's obviously something a little bit kind of untoward and a bit sleazy. Um, 
but really kind of interesting. Obviously, the whole the whole premise is like the idea of your work self, your personal self, and your work self, and how the two are kind of divorced, and how um, depending on kind of what job you have, you're almost forced to adopt that personality when you're at work, and to almost it almost diminishes your personal life. So it kind of gets into a lot of those kind of things, but in a quite an interesting sort of way. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. We've only watched I think two episodes so far. Um, but they're kind of teasing uh, the the mystery to come as to why they're doing this and what the, what the corporation is into and why these people have chosen to undergo the surgery and that kind of stuff. But yeah, really, really, really good. Definitely the best thing we've watched on um, Apple TV Plus. Um, oh. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely recommend it. Of course, it does mean you have to pay for Apple TV Plus, which is another well, yeah. four ninety nine a month or whatever it is. But um, yeah, definitely one to to keep an eye on. So I think it's a it's a really good show. Yeah, that's Severance. And that's what I've been watching uh, this week. Excellent. No TV for you, Paul? No, just drag race and okay. figure skating. From the okay. Well, what about movies? Have you watched a movie this week? I watched a lot of movies because, although I took it off in 2021 and watched 38 Godzilla films instead, Oscar films are back in 2022. I'm going to watch all the Oscar films as I have done every other year since 2013. Um, so I've watched, I watched a few already. I've seen Dune. Uh, I've seen Encanto. But uh, I watched five more this week. And for those who aren't aware or have only started listening in the last two years uh what i do every year is i watch all the films nominated in what i consider to be the top nine categories yeah which are best picture best director the four acting ones actor supporting actor actress supporting Mm -hmm. actress original screenplay adapted screenplay and best animated feature all the all the real ones, all the real ones. All the real ones. I'm not. I'm not doing uh, best best costume design, lads. Come on, best uh, or or yeah, best um, visual effects, which I've seen all of them already. Spider Man and the like. Yeah. Um, so I've watched five this week, and I'll quickly go through them. So we start with uh, Belfast, Kenneth Branagh's mm-hmm. Belfast. Uh, starring a load of Irish people and then Judy Dench for some reason. Um, <laughs> stars, she was Flamina. So she was it, yeah. In which she also played an Irish woman. I think she is of Irish. partially Irish. Is she of Irish? Gotcha. And to be fair, I thought she was very good in Philomena. It might be the case that the Northern Iron accent is a more difficult one to get than the the Republic, because mm. uh, I thought her accent in Philomena was very decent. Uh, alongside Steve Coogan. Um, so Belfast stars Katrina Balfe, Jamie Dornan, uh, Kieran Hines, and uh, Judy Dench. And it's basically the story of this one family existing in, in the Troubles, uh, which are very downplayed, very understated. Like, it's definitely a very rose-tinted view of Belfast at the time. Uh, the Troubles are basically condensed into one quite angry man who serves as like the the antagonist of the film um so i like as as much as that is understated i feel like it really takes an edge away from the film and kind of undermines the uh the the sappier parts of the film which i think are good and they work 
uh, as rose tinted as the film is, but the film would benefit by having this harsh exterior to kind of complement the family dynamics. Uh, and Kenneth Branagh, I think, goes too far in the rose tinted view of because obviously Kenneth Branagh is of a uh, uh, emigrant family from right. Belfast. But um, as nice as it is, I feel like it would just it, w- it would be better to have this this harsher view of the um, secular politics at the time as it is. It's played very simply and ultimately leads to a um, confrontation that feels a little bit undercooked and actually a little bit silly. Um, I do want to make mention, though, I've showed this to Joe already, but I just want to make mention of a little um, line in Belfast. And just let me know what you think of this. Right? Nobody can fight about certain and weird football. And they have kangaroos in the barbecue. And the weather's good. Young Joe Turner's down there, too. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> right. They've got surfing and weird football. And they have kangaroos in the barbecue. And the weather's good. Young Joe Towner's down there too. That's right. What? Little Little Joe Towner's down there too. Oh, I didn't catch that at all. Little Joe Towner's. Yeah, I'll play it a third time. Now that you know what you're listening for, he's talking about Australia. People emigrating to Australia and say it's the, the weather is very hot and they've got kangaroos. Little Joe Towner's down there. You know what? I they've got surfing and weird football and they have kangaroos in the barbecue and the weather's good. Young Joe Towner's down there too. Oh, Mr. Brana, thank you so much for the shout out to our, our podcast host. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was good. It was good. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of those films they say, yeah, was very good, but also feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity in that it could have been something a bit more yeah. memorable. Uh, I watched The Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, yes. The, uh, Joel Cohen uh, retelling of the, the Macbeth story, which I think both of you guys have reviewed. Uh, on the show before i i also liked it i think it um i think it both benefits and suffers from the way it was shot uh it's a little bit of a double edged sword um i think the uh the the close up of the faces because it uses a lot of close ups uh in a kind of a passion of joan of arc style gives you like real uh insight into the, like the characters emotions that they're going through as they do the soliloquies because you can see the smallest little like twitch of an eye or you know um so i thought that worked really well at the same time i thought the starkness of everything the sets and the the way it was shot also on the other hand gave it somewhat of like an artificial feeling Mm. that i could understand like well it's very arty and it looks good but also i don't believe that this is a real world in which this story is happening um so like i said a bit of a double-edged sword i thought some of the performances were really good uh in particular i thought even though his part is very small i thought stephen root was really good uh as he often is i thought um uh what's her name nomadland uh francis uh, mcdormand francis mcdormand i thought she was like the, the standout yeah um and i thought denzel was very good in like parts but i felt like he was also more prone than mcdormand was to falling into the trap of doing the like shakespeare patter yeah uh if you know what i mean where some characters i thought some characters basically entirely fell into this which is where you you read off shakespeare lines in a specific cadence that a lot of actors do and it comes off like they're reading lines as opposed to existing in the world and having yeah. a conversation. Yeah. Um, 
I thought Denzel mostly avoided that, but at times fell into that trap. Um, but overall, I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I liked some of the more um, cinematic effects that they used, like when he opens, although it's, I guess, not necessarily cinematic, more kind of theatrical, where he opens the window and all the leaves blow in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they did the, is this a dagger I see before me, where it was like the reflection oh, yeah. of the door handle. That was like, great. Yeah. A lot of little details that I thought really added a lot. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I definitely, I would agree with the criticism as well that a lot, especially early on, although I think it kind of lessens as it goes on, that a lot of the early soliloquies give it a really like disjointed feeling. Um, it's like the first time where, uh, it's not Macbeth, I think it might be Banquo, goes up to meet um, Brendan Gleeson's uh, yeah. Duncan. And it you get the feeling that they weren't even on the set at the same time. Yeah. Because it's very like close up of Duncan doing his thing, then Banquo doing his, and never the two shot mm. ones and it just gave me a little bit of a disjointed feeling but overall i thought it was very good if you know not the best of the films i watched this week uh so that's macbeth i also feel like and this is no fault of the film at, at all i just feel like i've seen macbeth too many times now yeah. yeah um to the point where i was not maybe and this is more my fault in films but that i, I was not maybe giving some of the lines my full attention because i just know the story mm. too yeah. well um, I will say I think I enjoyed the uh, uh, Fastbender one more than the okay. Cohen one, but that might be that I was just less exposed to it back then. Uh, watched a animated one called Raya and the Last Dragon. It's a Disney uh, oh, yeah. Studios one. Eh, I thought it was alright. It's um, definitely not have the the come down of an ending that Encanto had. Uh, I thought Encanto had a. I thought Encanto was quite strong, but had had a very dissatisfying ending. I don't think Raya was ever as good as Encanto was, but at the same time, I think it's more consistent <laughs> as okay. as it ends. Um, art style a bit too cutesy for me. Um, mm. The the titular dragon was done up to look like a My Little Pony, <laughs> and I just never fully jived at that. Um, but story wise, I thought it was strong enough. It was like a little little adventure, little globe trotting adventure. Um, with some silly characters. I thought it was perfectly, perfectly fine. Um, if never having the heights of something like Encanto, I think it's definitely overall sub Encanto. And I think Encanto is going to walk the, uh, best animated feature, uh, Oscar. I think it's absolutely going to win. That'll probably be the uh, safest bet you could put on at the paddypower.com. Uh, I watched being the Ricardos, which is the, I love Lucy, uh, biopic. The uh, Lucy Lucille Ball uh, stars Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. Uh, those two are great in it, and it's got J.K. Simmons in it, and it's got loads of people from Arrested Development in it. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's got a really good cast. And to be fair, I thought the performances across the board were really strong. But let me tell you, this definitely was an Oscar-nominated biopic, and it was no more than that. It was just one of them. Uh, I think if you don't have an affinity for like I Love Lucy or the or Lucille Ball in general, there's not a lot that you'll get out of it story wise. Yeah, um, I have not seen one second of I Love Lucy in my life. No, neither have I. I don't think I Love Lucy is that big on this side of the Atlantic. No, no, speaking. no. But it's it's from back in back in the day when America had two television stations, and so uh, uh, 150 million people watched I Love Lucy, and 150 million people watched yeah. uh, Dick Tennessee versus. <laughs> Chomper McGee in a cage match from from Memphis. 
And funnily, they make a point about that early in the film where they go, you know, today, if they, you know, they make a, a new comedy sitcom, they, they put it out. It does really well. They get 10, 10 million viewers. It's a big success. I Love Lucy got 60 million. It's like, yeah, but they only had two channels back then. Yeah. You didn't have yeah. a lot of options. And and no no PlayStation 5. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. They only had PlayStation 1 in the 60s. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> you know, it was... I, I think the performances and the level of performances kind of carried it to more than it is, but I just thought it was just another of those run-of-the-mill biopics where, because it's a biopic, the directors, for whatever reason, feel a reluctance to do anything too creative with them. Mm. And they're just very matter-of-fact retellings of like this person's story. Yeah. Which is why I think something like Rocket Man. I enjoyed more because it did have a bit more creative license to kind of do like dream, dreamy sequences and stuff. Uh, but being the Ricardos was certainly one of those movies. And then finally, I watched The Power of the Dog. Oh, yes. Netflix film. I know my boy at Griff Tannen has seen this movie. Oh, yeah. Dogs. Uh, starring Cumberbatch and. Um, your, uh, ooh, I keep forgetting Kirsten, his name. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst and Jesse uh, Plemons. Plemons is who I'm thinking of. And Cody McPhee. McPhee. Cody McPhee. Um, McPhee. So Power of the Dogs is my film of the week. Uh, it is a very well told story of, um, you know, and a lot of the stuff that it's about, I feel, is, is not explicitly shown on camera, but is rather implied. A story about you know, repressing who you truly are. Uh, how, you know, things that happen to you early in life can mold who you become and how you act to people who are in a similar situation today than that you were back then. Uh, Cumberbatch is, for all intents and purposes, like the antagonist of the film, but I feel like his character is much more complex than that. He's um, he's very antagonistic to people, and he's mm. very... Um, standoffish and very like lives quite an isolated life but i think there are there are things at play that you might not be aware of that are impacting that um i I think it's one of the more complex stories that i've seen uh not in the sense that you're like you would be confused by it but just that there's so many little undercurrents at play in the film that when they ultimately pay off i thought it was very well done and very satisfying uh performances across the board are great it's a fantastic looking movie um, I, I would, I would really have nothing to fault uh, in terms of how it's done. I thought it was, although I didn't go to ten out of ten because maybe it was just missing that je ne sais quoi to push me over the edge. I thought it was bloody great. I thought it was excellent, and uh, it'll probably be be one of the better uh, Oscar-nominated movies this year. Uh, Jane Campion directed uh, "The Power of the Dog," and it's on Netflix. It is a All Netflix right. movie. Uh, it's it's fucking excellent. It's really the the movie that I would liken it to uh, in terms of how it looks and how it like sounds as well. It's got a Johnny Greenwood score that's really really good. Uh, hints of there will be blood for me. Okay, um, oh. high praise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, now I wouldn't say it's necessarily as good as there will be blood, but it's okay. uh, it evoked uh, memories of watching there will be blood. I thought mm-hmm. it was really fantastic. Uh, although I, I I did read. Um, someone do a a review of it where they said um and i'll I'll try and talk uh, vaguely here so as not to spoil 
what the film is about. But uh, someone says, you know, that uh, that subplot could have been taken out and it, the film would have been better. And it's like, that wasn't a subplot. That's what the film is about. <laughs> yeah. You know, if someone said, you know, you know, Jaws was good, but I, I would have lost the shark subplot. That did look <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> number one, you don't understand films. And number two, you should not be allowed to write reviews of them ever there's, again. I feel there's a lot of that going around. People who are just not smart enough to understand films like, that was oh, what that was stupid yeah. like you understood it <laughs> i don't think you understood come back any of the film seen more than five films yeah well that's the, that's the problem is without talking about this film specifically you know when there's a film that has and this this might be fucking knock the socks off people but like subtext right and the film is is about one thing like in your face this is what the narrative of the film is but actually there's there's more to it you know um, that's what these people I don't think understood <laughs> so uh, yeah but Power Dog brilliant that's what I watched this week nice alrighty I just watched one movie this week um, go for it I got myself a little Blu-ray trilogy of Scream ooh la la uh, oh it just started to rain again I thought my, my windows were coming in for a second uh, <laughs> nevertheless uh, I got that. I've seen Scream multiple times. I've never seen any of the sequels. I have not seen anything post uh, one. And obviously, that there's that new one out that I want to see. So I was like, all right, let's get these caught up. Uh, although I realized while watching Scream 2, I was like, I think this is probably the film I have seen the most bits of on telly, like when bored and flicking through the channels 10 years ago. Um, uh, bits and pieces here and there. Because I was starting to, it was all starting to feel very familiar. But anyway, mm. nonetheless. It is very, very good. It is a lot of fun. It is much as... It's not as good as Scream, uh, but much as Scream is a big, very uh, roller coaster ride of nods and winks and and, tro- uh, and tropes, this one is doing that thing again with an added layer of nudge, nudge, this is a sequel, haha, sequels, uh, which, mm. is, which is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, again, in, in, in lesser hands, someone not as good as Wes Craven, it probably would have been um uh shitty uh but it was quite fun and i was very pleasantly surprised with it and it has an absolutely tremendous cast you've obviously got your returning icons from the first one your neve campbell your courtney cox your david arquette your leave your Schreiber, ghost face your ghost face he's back he's back uh, his Reed best Sh- performance i think well i'm more of a scary movie man myself ah mm-hmm. very good watch i think i said this when i most recently reviewed the first scream but i'll say it now against scream 2 now that I've seen the source material, Scary Movie just takes scenes wholesale from both these films. And what if, what if we just had like a less good punchline? Uh, uh, I think that would be great. That's what's like Scary Movie is like the comedy version, and it's yeah. way what if less Ghostface fun. Was like a dwarf. Yeah, it, be it's just kind of like it's just so uh, uh, ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Scream Two, uh, uh, really fantastic. Uh, yeah, so you got like a very young Liev Schreiber in there. He's in the first one. But also, mm. what I mean, certainly one of the earliest Timothy Oliphant performances I can recall seeing, 1997. Mm. He's in there. Yeah. He's great. He's great in it. Mm. Um, um, oh, the, the rest of the guy. Uh, there's a portion to Rossi is in it. Um, uh, Jamie uh, Kennedy back from the first one as well. Um, what's her name? Laurie Pi- what, Not Laurie. Uh, yeah, I was trying to... What's her Pi- name? Pi- 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 no. What's her name? Laurie Metcalf. Laurie Laurie Metcalf. Metcalf, That was it. I was blanking on her. Uh, But she's in it as well. Just proper, proper, great, eclectic uh, uh, cast. One thing I will say, 
I mean, and this is true of all 90s films. Basically all of them. Nothing seems more hellish than being in a fancy pants uh, arts college in America in the 90s. Because in, in true kind of craven fashion, there's a scene in a film class early on. And obviously Scream 1, Jamie Kennedy's character is the film nerd. Who's like, oh, horror, you shouldn't do this if you're in a horror movie, blah, blah, blah. And so they double down on that in the sequel. Uh, and they're having a conversation in the film class. It's very on the nose, obviously, talking about how sequels are never as good, right? But it's kind of like... It's so cheesy, I almost feel like it could have been a scene from, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like a Malcolm in the Middle or something, where everyone's just, like, as annoying as humanly possible, because they're all like, um, excuse me, Godfather 2, and everyone goes, oh, he's so right, you're so right. I was like, I have never been in a class this friendly in my fucking <laughs> life. They're all having, like, spirited debate about the subject matter. And then there's that, and then, of course, like every like everything else, there there's, like... There's the sororities and the fraternities and the sorority sisters kind of walk in unison up and have a conversation together as a unit. I'm like, oh, my God. If, yeah. if, re- if reality is one-tenth as nightmarish as this movie is, um, then I, I, I don't think I would have been able to hack it. But, uh, but yeah, Scream 2, a whole lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to Scream 3. Uh, and I guess then 4 and 5 as well. 4 is the one that's on Netflix and then 5 just came out. So... I'll try to get them watched over the next few weeks. You haven't had a chance to watch the new Texas Chainsaw either, yeah? No, not yet. I'll get to it. Oh, uh, I heard it was a big old steaming pile of shite. Yes, I have also heard that. But, I mean, that's just what you expect at this stage. There has been, there has been literally one good film in that franchise. <laughs> and they've, and they've, this is now like the 11th or something that they've made. It's something mental like that. And like Halloween, they've also done the thing where you need a flow charge to keep track of which one... Yeah. Uh, basically, all every new one for the last four has done the thing where they're like, no, 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 ignore all the sequels. It's just the first one and then this one. They all do that. Like, so it's it's crazy. But uh, next week I'll probably try and squeeze it in and have that watched. Uh, that's my one. That's my one film. I'm gonna try and. Uh, oh, I'm also gonna try and see Belfast tomorrow. It is showing in the local theater, so we shall try and see that. It is good. Next week. It is good. Uh, yeah. What about you, Joe? What are you seeing this week? Uh couple of movies, quite different ones. Um, firstly, Petite Maman, which is oh, oui. a French drama from Céline Chiamo, which whose films I've been reviewing uh, over the weeks, past few weeks. Um, so this is her latest. It, it was out last year. Uh, it's a great acclaim. I believe Mark Kermode's film of the year. Yeah. Um, so it's a film about a young girl who, at the start of the film, we find that she's uh, her grandmother has just passed away. And the her mother takes her and, and the husband back to her childhood home where the presumably the grandmother had been living or still living. They go there to kind of clear out the house and to, to put the affairs in order. Um, and then the young girl's kind of processing this grief and she goes out. It's, it's kind of in, out in the countryside. It's quite a remote, remote place where they are. She is out kind of playing in the woods and meets another uh, little girl and kind of strikes up a friendship with her. Um, that's in terms of going into the plot, that's about all I can say because partly her films aren't that plot heavy. It's not like I can reveal loads of twists and turns. Uh, and there's also kind of one key sort of plot element that I don't want to spoil because you, you know, you haven't seen it or if someone wants to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it's a film about kind of, you know, it's a little bit about grief. It's about family. It's about the kind of history and those the, the emotions that bring that kind of brings and how 
I guess, how generation generation kind of goes through each of these processes, you know, of, of losing the previous generation and of, and of experiencing that in a different way and how that kind of shapes you and things like that. So, yeah, really, really kind of sweet film. Um, the, the two little girls are similar to uh, Tomboy, her other film. It's the kids are the main characters, um, which is always obviously quite an ambitious or risky risky um, endeavour to have like very young children playing the leads, but they're both fantastic. They're both very kind of like cheeky and fun and come up, obviously come across very authentic. Um, so I thought it was really, really good and very like kind of um, emotional, but without being kind of ever sort of melodramatic or like, you know, twisting, twisting that kind of emotional knife to try and get you to cry. Yeah. It just does it in a very kind of subtle and organic way that makes you just really think about, the, the, the themes and the subject at hand so i uh, yeah absolutely would recommend it uh, it's also 72 minutes long thank you for putting out these short Beautiful. films i'm like when i see that i'm like yes thank you very much i will watch that uh yeah, subtitle film in 72 minutes not a problem um yeah so i'd give it a, another big thumbs up um she's got this this style of movie she makes and every couple of years and they're all just really, really good, kind of interesting and often about sort of women and their relationships, which I think uh, it's not always something you get covered in, in too many films. But yeah, mm. really, really good. Petite Maman. Uh, on the flip side, quite a different film. Uh, we just watched a documentary on Amazon Prime called The Orange Years, which was the story of Nickelodeon. Oh, um, okay. Now I know... I'm sure both you lads are just still the right age um, to be total kind of ra- totally raised on Nickelodeon Absolutely. Uh, as I was. So I, we got Sky in 1995, which was kind of smack bang in the middle of the classic, what they call the orange years, you know, that kind of early days of Nickelodeon. Um, so my, my earliest memories were Pete and Pete, Alex Mack, uh, Rugrats, mm. Rocco's Modern Life, Doug, later on Keenan and Kel, um, but yeah, it, it kind of goes from the very, very early days of Nickelodeon in, in the eighties or kind of early eighties, um, before there had ever been like a, a channel for kids, you know, a lot of kids programming yeah. was very kind of patronizing or educational or just not done with kids in mind. It, it was not, not what kids wanted. And then Nickelodeon came along and completely changed that with the advent of cable TV. They could kind of just go out and do that. And so it, it kind of charts the history of, how, of where the channel started and how it was quite sort of anarchic and really kind of went against the grain of what TV was like in, in, mm. in really trying to create things for kids. And then, it, and then from there, it kind of just goes through all the classic shows and gets a little bit of background on each and sort of charts the, the progress of the channel into the, into the 2000s where things started to change a little bit with SpongeBob and Dora the Explorer becoming these like billion dollar global brands are going to changed it from like this outsider network into a giant corporation like Disney or, or any other channel. But it's really, really interesting. And if, if you did grow up in the nineties and uh, love Nickelodeon uh, channel seven on, on sky up until seven o'clock, <laughs> then of course you had the Paramount comedy channel. Then it was Paramount. Yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, if I could design a TV channel, it would just be Nickelodeon until seven and then the Paramount channel. And oh, baby, the I hear the blues are calling to sell it and scaffolding. <laughs> yeah. And then like m- Monday night raw at like 10. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. That's, what I, that's my TV channel. Um, but really, really good and quite, it made me very like nostalgic and happy, but also a little bit sad. Cause like they, 
it's when when they describe you know why they started it and how they started it's just so there's such a lack of cynicism about it it was mm. so authentic like they just wanted to make really interesting cool shows that kids would actually like and have the kids involved and you just kind of contrast that to a lot of sort of brands now i don't want to get too nostalgic and say everything was great in the past and it was all all true I mean, it was <laughs> you know obviously they they were making money and they had advertisers you know it wasn't all you know artistic and yeah but it just felt like so different to a lot of the brands now where it, you where things are made for the merchandising whereas the nickelodeon yeah they did have a lot of merchandise but it it came from the shows you know it was the shows first and then mm. they made some like uh you know made the money after that so um yeah, I would absolutely recommend that. Anyone anyone that loved Nickelodeon or still loves it, uh, give that a whirl. Again, I think it was like 70, 80 minutes. It was a really interesting documentary. Uh, and you've got Melissa Joan Hart, you've got Keenan Thompson. They're all <laughs> AW, on there. AW star, Melissa Joan Yes, yeah, yeah, Melissa Joan Hart, AW people. <laughs> they're all on there. So, yeah, really, really good. Where can you watch this? This Amazon was Prime. on Amazon Prime. Lovely. Very interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. definitely check that out. That's that's right yeah. in my, uh, Lot of fun. My, my wheelhouse. Uh, we'll jump in to the game go. You uh, move. Are, are we all still playing the highly controversial Wordle? Oh, of course. I'm getting a bit <laughs> sick of Wordle. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I mean, it's like it was. It was very funny laughing and goofing and joking about about New York Times taking it over, and oh, this is the end, lads. Oh, this is the end. Mm. And then it turns out, yeah, probably is actually the end. This is a bit. Is it, and I haven't, I haven't even lost my stats. I'm one of the lucky few who's able to I have stats. But I'm just like, they took out, they took out all the naughty words, right? That's annoying. And Oops. now they're, they're, and like now all the words that are the correct answers. You know, we all, all of us collectively, as a society, when Wordle came out, we were, we were Ralph Wiggum there guessing cat on the computer <laughs> and going, I'm learning and feeling good about ourselves. And now, and now it's like only words. Only fucking lanyard-wearing wonks who fucking write for the New York Times would get <laughs> cock and tassis. Spoilers for today's one. Um, like, only those fucking nerds are getting the words they have now. I mean, it is genuinely a little bit soul-destroying. Well, I did Even quite though, good on those two. So. Uh, listen, I got them both. I got them both. No shade at me. Well, Paul, you have enough other games to be playing. Fucking, well, you're me playing, and Joe. You're, you're, you're playing... You're, you're Paul, playing, me and Joe. Oh, sorry, the two of you, yeah. You're, you're playing fucking, like... Uh, Guess the 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 genus of species. Uh, uh, let's take a look at this, listeners. Right, we have this. Obviously, everyone shares their 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 war, their wordle results, right, on on Twitter, and that's kind of the fun of the game. Small little grids, right. Yeah. So you knowing the answer, you can I can look at Paul's and say, oh, he got the first letter right. Oh, he made the same mistake I did. I can tell just by looking at his grid. Mm-hmm. Paul and Joe, uh, there's two E in it, right. We have a little channel in the Discord we're in where everyone shares their Wordle results. But they're all playing those guess four words at once, fucking uh, do seven degrees of separation from you to fucking Pope Francis. You know, they're doing all that shit, right? And the beautiful, the beautiful, simplistic uh, uh, results screen. Like, here's the thing. I don't even know. There's no way all of you who are playing those games are looking at those walls of of emojis and figuring out. There's one where they're like, they have to guess eight words at the same time. And you post your results and it's just, it's like Morse code. It's like the Matrix if it was yellow and white as well. And it's like, it's completely illegible. 
One of them has emojis in it. Look at this. Listen to this, right? I pulled <laughs> up the receipts here, right? I've got yeah, into they, 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 there's now there's like a dedicated channel for them to play yeah, these separate channel to these these abomination barry, games. These little fucking this is so they can play their little knockoffs. Here's 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 Joe's results, right? From Daily Secordle, right? Yeah, which is sixteen at once. A clock emoji that says three o'clock. A clock emoji that says two o'clock. The number five. A clock emoji that says nine o'clock. A clock emoji that says eight o'clock the number six a clock emoji that says one o'clock the number eight the number nine the number ten like are other people looking at this going oh joe i had five past six i had five past six for line four joe what are you doing like what it's supposed to be simple i don't understand what like like i don't understand how you can look at this and make sense of it i think the point is it's more fun to play the 16 at once game than it is for people to review your results but fuck it that's I like the that I did anyway. That, that's I think, outrageous. I think Barry's a little bit salty here. Yeah. I think, Listen. You know, when I look at Paul's results and I'm like, oh, yeah, so he got, you know, um, third, he got third down, third on the left, uh, five. So, okay, yeah, yeah mate, yeah. not great. And then he got a couple on the eight. Oh, okay, he was leaving that to the last minute. <laughs> You know, you can kind of get a sense of the strategy, yeah. you know. Are they guessing the words at the beginning or are they just trying to eliminate letters for the first few guesses, yeah. you know? And, of course, the clock thing is because the single-digit emojis only go up to nine, so you have to show 13 somehow. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry. I was being an arse. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you are wrong. I am wrong. I'm surprised. I haven't seen either of you, but have you seen the one that's, like, um, guess, like, a certain starting 11 for a football team from a certain match? Oh. Uh, but, yeah, I don't now, know. See, I, 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 I do like, at its core, for it to still retain the rules and such of Wordle. No, you don't. No, you don't. I do. What, what, you, do, what you do is against months. Jesus. What you do is against <laughs> well, God. Well, it's filthy. Like, the, you know, the, there's the one that's like the globe, and you're guessing the countries. That's a bit... Yeah. I, that's fine, but that's a bit too far. They've strayed too far yeah. from the Wordle no, path on that yeah. one for me. That's just yeah. geo-guessing, you know. Yeah, I like I'd, uh, the furthest I'll go is the little maths one because I'm a big maths nerd, so I do like that. But otherwise, I just want it to be Wordle. Fuck it, if I'm playing 25 Wordles at once and I've got 30 guesses, I'll do it. That sounds good to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're still on the Wordle. I still am yet to not get a Wordle. My streak is like 53 now, um, with two sixes, which I think is pretty fucking good. Wait, but, that is um, good. That is good if it's true. You know. <laughs> it's not true. Although I don't have my stats anymore, I had to make a little Excel file to track it now. Because Wordle and the New York Times fucked me. Um, but yeah, otherwise, it's not good. Uh, so what anyway, else have we been playing in other, actual uh, games? Other, other, Wordle's an actual game. Come on now. Uh, uh, but uh, what about Secord the Lord Lord? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, played, I've been playing Seafood Wordle. Uh, which is where mm. you have to like guess a martial arts combo before it hits you in the face. Yeah. Um, no, Sifu continues to be great. Um, it's a real... Uh, if you are the type of person... It's not an open world game, but if you're the type of person who likes to clear an open world area before you go to the next part of the story, then Sifu may like hook you in a way you're not expecting because there's, there's real incentive to min-max uh, uh, your run, right? Which is what I did for last Wednesday's stream i was kind of like basically uh uh you know when you reach your final age and you die you don't have to restart from the very beginning of the game you can start on level three or however far you've got but you'll always be the youngest age you were when you when you get there so if i'm 60 
on starting level three, that's shit because basically I've got like two lives before I'm dead. Uh, so they kind of encourage you, and this is kind of how they also sneakily get you to grind as well without calling it grinding. Uh, you go back and it's basically run that level again. But now that you've beaten it once, you'll probably do better and you'll get yeah, out of that level you know younger. Uh, yeah. And like it's, I've unlocked, about a week and a half ago now, I unlocked level four. I still have not touched it. I have not touched it because I'm trying to, I, I'm going to drive myself insane trying to beat this game in my 20s, which is like probably fucking impossible because um, uh, it's so fucking hard, but so satisfying. Um, yeah, I still love it. I don't have too much else to say uh, about it that I didn't say last week. It is just uh, an absolute beauty to play more than anything else. It just feels so damn good uh, to play. So I am soldiering on with that um, uh, at the moment. Just before we came on air here, something that's absolutely not a beauty to play. I beat the very first Castlevania um, mm-hmm. with with some fairly liberal use of our modern day emulation tools. Uh, save states, rewinding uh, time uh, a little bit. Fucking hell. That, uh, ha- like, that game. How did eight-year-olds in 1986 beat that? They probably didn't. They're all lying. Um, <laughs> Although I do think there is something to the, the power of an eight-year-old yes. gamer. Because uh, I definitely beat games when I was that age. And then went back to replay them. I got stuck at the age yes. of 25. It's because you had nothing like, else I, to do. That was it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. i got to keep playing like, this. <laughs> it, especially we you know is the it's the old cliche everyone wheels out but when you went to extra vision on friday night and you got a game for the weekend it doesn't matter if it's shit or impossible to play you fucking you better sit there and get good at it um yeah but yeah it, what, it's just really fascinating is that like your character has quite rigid movements and your jump is this like you have like one jump animation there's no there ain't you yeah. can't you ain't changing straight course up. straight up he's like you ain't you ain't changing course midair like you can in Mario on the same generation of consoles, your character is so <laughs> stiff. And it's like enemies are actually, for the era, they're surprisingly fluid in their movements. Like all the flying enemies, the bats, the ghosts, they kind of zig and they zag and they move in little snake formations, which is impressive. It's a fucking bastard when you're jumping around as fucking robotic mechanical man who can barely move. Uh, just tons of li- uh, uh, the knockback, the classic 8-bit era knockback where you- an enemy hits you, you go flying backwards right into a pit. Just right into a fucking pit. You're dead. <laughs> Back you fucking go. Um, you know, it looks and sounds great still, uh, especially because we live in an era that, that uh, romanticizes that era so much. Um, uh, and even by, so to modern ears, uh, uh, the music is phenomenal still. And the graphics, you know, it's limited, but I do, I do have a great amount of char. Uh, uh, I think it's quite charming those area of graphics where it looks good, but there's almost there's still also a little bit of your imagination to it, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, a lot of early video games, the box art and the side of the arcade cabinet were doing a lot of work, uh, and that's true of Castlevania. Uh, but like, there's lots of like climbing upstairs, like which is a neat little. Uh, uh, bit of flavor for the moving but when you're moving up the stairs you can't attack or jump and that doesn't mean enemies aren't attacking you when you're on them you just have to take it or time it better or go back to the start it's just it's very uh frustrating to play uh but i i did finish it and i did uh i i enjoyed it i'm glad i i'm glad i can take it off my list um i started a, a game pass game called nobody saves the world uh, which is... Uh, am I still going here? Or am I frozen? I think I'm frozen. Hello. Oh, no, here I am. Hello? 
Oh no, we've lost your audio, Barry. Your audio's gone. No! Oh no, you're there. Okay, just keep going. Just okay. nobody. We started playing nobody. Yeah, sure. I'm going to mark down the time to edit that. Yeah. So I started playing uh, Nobody Saves the World, which is a Game Pass game. This is a weird, it's a weird kind of hybrid of classic 2D Zelda and kind of, not not a lot, but kind of has a weird like cookie clicker almost kind of element where it has a lot of meters. It has a lot of things to upgrade, but they're upgrading quite fast. So you're okay. in a con- you're in a constant state of level up, level up, level up. You got this new toy. You got this new weapon. You got you you used to, you uh, you used to do five damage. Twenty minutes later, you do ten damage type thing. So it's it's got that going for it. Uh, your character is at this weird little like white generic kind of genderless human character. Uh, you 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 get cap. You're you, you're thrown into like a very generic magical kingdom type thing. Stop the the Ganon and knock off. It's very Zelda. It's very very Zelda. Right. Um. Uh. And the ability basically you unlock is that uh, during the tutorial you can turn into a rat, so you can crawl through a little rat hole to get out of your prison cell. Then later, when you play for another twenty minutes, you unlock a soldier, and he has a sword swipe. Then five minutes after that, you unlock a archer. And you can flick between these characters on the fly. So you can just be whatever you want. Later on, there's a horse. Uh, later on, there's a turtle. And in the vein of like Pokemon, when you get the certain water Pokemons, when you have the turtle, you can swim across water and you can do all that right. kind of stuff. Uh, and like I said, there's numbers pinging all the time. When you use the turtle's attack, you level up the turtle form. When you level up the turtle form, that progresses you to unlocking whatever comes after that. I haven't gotten further than that. You're constantly unlocking new forms. Uh, 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 you're constantly upgrading the current forms to get them new attacks, and then you have a character level yourself. Everything is just meters going up, up, up. And so you've kind of got it's so basic, but it is it does work. You there's that constant uh, dopamine hit of oh, I leveled something up, I I got a new thing, um, and yeah, so it's it's fun. Uh, the, the the combat is basic, like I said, it is kind of top down Zelda ish, um, uh, but it's quite satisfying. It also looks and sounds great. It's Drinkbox Studios who did Guacamelee. Uh, which were, of course, very, very pretty games. And this is a very pretty game. Uh, I, I love yeah. the art style. Uh, very charming. Not Again, a very basic template Zelda fantasy uh, setup. But they've got some kind of cutesy dialogue in there. I think it's charming enough. Uh, so if you like your Zeldas, if you like your RPGs... I do. Um, I think you'd like this, Paul. I think this would be up your wheelhouse. Mm, um, and and again, it's on Game Pass. It so. is, of course, a Game Pass game. So what else What else mm. doth thou need, as they say in Macbeth? Um... <laughs> so yeah, I played that, and then on the flip side of that, uh, I started the new Horizon game on PS5, uh, which so far is another one of them, which is good <laughs> because yeah. I liked the last one quite a bit. Me too. So yeah. uh, if you like that, you will like this. It looks absolutely goddamn gorgeous. Um, uh, I, I was kind of, I was out of curiosity. I did watch there was an interesting video from Digital Foundry about like what does this look like versus the ps4 this was kind of an this was a weird one when it came out and it was like still on ps4 people were like mm, that's a bit of a letdown but i mean there's a a, a like a, an untold difference in uh texture popping uh especially like you know you probably notice a lot towards the end of the ps4 generation that thing where you're kind of walking along and still within your field of view there's grass like materializing just that's one of my pet peeves uh well horizon is like one of the most seamless worlds it's just like if you can see it it's loaded in and it's detailed and it's gorgeous 
Uh, also, Horizon 1 on the PS4. I did really like that game. Jesus Christ. Dying or loading the game up for the first time after turning off the console or something. Like, you're dealing with, like, a minute, a minute and a half to load into the world. This has those beautiful, silky smooth PS5. Press the icon on, on your PS5 main menu. You're in the world in, like, yeah. 10 seconds. I mean, that is... It's such a small thing. It, it You know, people... What is the big deal about that? But once you have it, it's you could not go back, you know... Um, but yeah, other than that, it's 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 that. It's doing that thing again. I'm still very early. I'm sure there's new weapons and toys and monsters that I haven't seen yet. Um, it's very dialogue heavy in the first hour, first two or three hours. Um, they've they've incorporated a little bit of a kind of uh, Assassin's Creedy kind of. You can kind of climb anything that has a, something jutting out of it type thing to make moving around the world a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Uh, and as is good in literally any video game, they've given you something that approximates a grappling hook. So, so that's good. Um, so they've they've jigged up the movement a little bit, which I think is good. Um, well, that was one of my peeves at the time because I played Horizon, the first Horizon, immediately after Breath of the Wild, and you know that was quite a culture shock to be like, oh, you can't even jump over this very small fence. Yeah, you know. So happy that they've moved forward, as a lot of open world games have since. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, I'm still very early and it's uh, like, just from looking at the map, it looks absolutely comically huge. Um, like I, uh, you know, we are, we are living in this like post Witcher world where every open world game is like, and not only massive, I'm still in like, there's a tutorial area and then there's like, okay, now you're on the proper map, but you're still kind of in the baby area of the proper map. And even that baby area is stuffed to the gills with people to talk to and meet and tutorials. I'm still doing all of that. So very, very early. This will probably be a... I'll be talking about finishing it in, like, June-type game. Sure. Um, but so far, so good. I think if you like that first game, uh, it'll scratch that itch. Looks absolutely stunning. Beautiful soundtrack. I love the soundtrack of the first game. This one's this one's great. Uh, great Ashley Birch performance as well as the main character. Just It's 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 a fun world to dive back into. Yeah. Um, that might be one I play on my PS5 Slim. Uh, yeah, yeah. A year or two from now. A year or two from now. I get what you mean. Um, yeah, it doesn't so far, it doesn't have that kind of essential. Oh my god, go out and get this uh edge to it. I will say that. Um, but yeah, that's my uh, that are my them's be my games for the week. What about you? Uh, just the one game for me, it's Metroid Dread. Hmm, uh, so interesting to see how, how we feel about Metroid Dread. Yes, um, so I am nearly at the end, okay. I've nearly completed it. I'm like, I don't know, five and a half hours, six hours. Um, I'm very much enjoying it. Okay. Uh, I, I, now, I'll caveat that by saying that I think some of the criticisms I had last week hold up. Mm. I still feel like the game would be served better by having a less shiny, clean presentation. I think that takes away some of the atmosphere. Um. Sure. Control-wise, I've had less of an issue than I thought I was gonna. Okay. Um, and I think having beaten Super Metroid uh, helps with that, because some of the controls are lifted directly from Super Metroid. Um, uh, and I will I will also mention, and this is, this is me tooting my own horn a little bit, I've played the entire time in handheld mode. Uh, okay. No pro controller for this some bitch. Wow, um, it's hard. Granted, uh, and I've died a lot. Especially, you come up against some bosses, and it is 
uh, about learning the attacks and learning the rhythm of the mm. fight. And that's how you, you know, eventually beat him. There was one that I just did now, which is very hard. It took me maybe 20 goes. But also the pace of the game is very quick. So when you die, 10 seconds later, you're back in it. Like, yeah, the, yeah. the checkpointing is pretty generous. You do have save spots, but if you die, it won't kick you all the way back. It'll kick you to, like, the previous, you know, area. Um, but no, I, I, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, but then I have been, like, making an effort because I've heard so much about the controls. I've been making an effort. And every time I learn a new ability or something, I'm like, okay, how does this work? What, you press press B to do the thing. Okay, and making sure that, like, normally when you play a game, I'll just skip through. Okay, it's X, whatever, fine. Here you have to give a little bit more attention to, mm. okay, you've got the uh, super jump. Okay, what does that mean? You know? Um, I just got the ability. I don't know how far you got into Metroid, Barry, before you ultimately dismissed and gave up. But I just got the ability where you have, like, the infinite jump, basically, which makes traversal that. very fun. Yeah, you, 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 you initially have your A's to jump, then you get... A will do like not a screw attack, which is the famous Metroid like spinning jump, but it, you do like a spin jump, mm. and then you get one where you can do a double jump, and then you get you just have infinite jumps, so you can go up uh, like a tower, jump, 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 jump without hitting anything, without even right. doing wall jumps, which makes the traversal very good, and, and then you obviously can go back to the earlier part levels and get the you know add-ons, the the missiles, whatever they didn't right. get early. Uh, and I like the way they, they handle that in the game as well, which is on the map, they'll show like a flashing area, flashing in white. And that means that there is a secret, either a, a energy tank or a missile tank you haven't got yet. And you also unlock later in the game, like a scan ability, which will show you where there are yeah. breakable. I got blocks. that. I got that one. Okay. So you weren't too far behind getting the big jump. I've got like the purple suit. I got the uh, the gravity suit as well. So I'm, I think I'm like... I looked on the IGN walkthrough, and there's like 26 chapters. I think I'm on like 23. Okay, you need to. So I'm, I'm pretty much. I'm like an hour from the end, maybe. Um, but I don't. I, I I think it plays really well. I think presentation wise, it could be improved, but I think it's pretty slick. Samus moves very fast. Um, as I said, the wall jumps are generous. Uh, the missiles, as you as you unlock more powerful and missiles you become, like, you can just walk into room and blitz all the enemies very quickly. Um, which, obviously, then they give you tougher enemies that have other powers, let's say. No, I've, I've enjoyed it quite a lot. I th- I don't think it's as good as Super Metroid. Because um, I think I think Super Metroid just has the best atmosphere. That's what I love about Super Metroid. Apart from that, I think it's pretty much a re-texture of Super Metroid. Okay. The, the way you progress through it and the, even the... Um, the order and rate at which you unlock the abilities is very reminiscent of Super Metroid. Uh, the thing that I think it does better in Super Metroid is like the bosses. I think the boss battles are, are pretty clever and pretty unique from one another. Where Super Metroid, it was very big bosses on one side of the screen. You're on the other, jumping up and down, dodging bullet hell and shooting it as much as you can. Here, it's more about uh, finding out what the weakness of the boss is and exploiting that. Right. Um, I think the bosses are pretty tough. Like there's the... Um, there's the big screen-filling bosses. But then there's, I think, are they the like Chozo Warrior? Some dumb name. They're like kind of more mini-bosses, but they're actually tougher than the actual bosses. There's one bit where you have two of them, 
you're fighting at once and they deal lots of damage. So it's about, again, finding out the rhythm of how to best beat them, lure them around the screen, get them to an area where you can pop off two missiles before you get hit and avoid, you know, getting hit. Because most of the bosses in Metroid are not about doing a lot of damage. They're about doing a little bit of damage, not getting hit and chipping away at them. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. I think it's, it's um, not as good as Super Metroid, but it's a, a very good sequel. Let's say, okay, uh, which has me more interested in trying Metroid Fusion. Maybe not right away because I'm sure again it's it's those 2D Metroids are, are pretty similar. <laughs> it's just the same game again. Uh, it's a little bit like Pokemon, actually. Do you know the way they just do a new Pokemon game, but really it's the same. Well, like yeah. Metroid, Metroid's a little bit like that, albeit a much better game than Pokemon is. Um, or at least the main the mainline Pokemon. I'm more interested in checking out now the 3D Metroids because I do have Metroid Prime, and I no, I know it's really highly regarded. I want to try that at some point. Um, but no, Metroid Dread for me, it's tough. It's very difficult, and I've died a lot, but uh, I I've enjoyed it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I won't I won't argue with you. Uh, but, yeah, but I, I can see how someone wouldn't enjoy it. It's it's definitely an acquired taste, and it's just yeah. you know I'm one of those people who enjoys. Fucking, I don't know, eating dirt. <laughs> That's all our anyway, games. It is. Uh, I do have it. I do have a quiz here. Uh, before oh, we get into right. the other emails, go for it. Let me open it up here. It is from our friend Nathan, friend of the show. Whoop whoop. Uh, he says, uh, "As you lost to Joe last week in the WCW Pointless Quiz, you get to be the quiz master for this one." The Impact Heavyweight Title. Okay. Oh, so this is the Pointless again. This is Pointless, baby. And uh, this title has had a few rebrandings over time, and has been known as the Impact World Championship, the Impact Global Championship, the GFW Impact World Heavyweight Championship, and the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Now, this list starts. Okay, so pay attention. This list starts at TNA Slammiversary 2007. So no NWA. Okay. Okay. So it's TNA and Impact. T- TNA and Impact going forwards. Uh, let me see here. So let me see here. I actually probably should have. Uh, You're gonna have to keep this. track of the scores. See which? I'm, yeah. Let me. I'm actually. I'm gonna get a pen and pad. Actually. Ooh. I, I am at my work desk, so I just have these here. To be fair. Um, yeah. All right. And we're going to go hold. The, the way it was done for me last week on the email is it'll have the number and then the name, and that's that's the points that they get. Obviously, t- number one will have the most days, and they'll be worth one point. Okay. So, yeah, it is in that vein. So, basically, uh, uh, what we're looking at here is uh, the number of days as... Total non-stop action slash impact wrestling uh, champion. Uh, also some GFW in there, whatever that whole thing was. <laughs> uh, sure. And to reiterate, in case anyone is new or hasn't watched a television show, this is in the style of pointless. So Joe and Paul here are going to try and name a wrestler who is in the top 10 number of days overall as TNA champion. But if they pick number one, they get one point. So gotcha. you kind of have to pick someone who's on the list, but low on the list. So that's the game. Uh, and uh, I uh, flip a coin in my head. Call it, Paul. Heads. 
It's Tails, sorry. Uh, Joe, you get to go first. So again, it is TNA slash Impact Wrestling Heavyweight World Championship title days. Days, not reigns. Um, I'll start off with uh, Magnus, okay, Nick Aldis. Magnus is not on the list, John. <gasps> oh my god. Paul, to you. Um, I'll go for. Uh, ooh. I'll go for TNA Figurehead. Although, ooh, would he. No, I don't think he would have had many NWA. I'll go for Sting. What was that? Sting. Sting. The icon, says Paul. That's and the one. Sting is good for. Five points. Uh, Joe, back to you. This is five guesses each, by the way, of course. Um, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is, of course, a very safe pick. So safe, in fact, that he just gets you the one point there, Joe. He is the number one in terms of days with the impact belt. Uh, Back to you, Paul. Okay. I might go for a safe one. Keep my head above the water here as I'm winning. Uh, I go for AJ Styles. Very good, very good. AJ Styles nets you seven points. Oh, I didn't think it would be that much. Uh, just to recap, by the way, I, I probably should have mentioned these before. Sting had 326 days as champion. Uh-huh. He slapped him in the middle of the list with five. Kurt Angle, number one, 608 combined days. Wow. As uh, Impact World Champion. And then AJ Styles, number seven, 220 days. Uh, so we go back to you, Joe. Uh, Mr. Robert Rude. Robert Rude. He is correct with 367 days across two reigns. Bobby Rude gets you four points, Joe. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Back to you, Paul. Uh, who else do we have? Fuck. I can't tell you that. That would be the answer. <laughs> I try to, to think a bit more modern because I feel like... When we watched Impact, there was a lot of chopping and change, and people have the belt and they'd be gone. Um, ooh, how about how about Robert Blaster Lashley? Very good guess. The Blaster had four reigns for a combined four hundred and three days, which nets you two points. Oh, hmm. only two. I was hoping it'd be better than that. Back to you, okay. Joe, for your second to last pick. Um, on that. No, I, I, the thing is, I can name some of the champions from more recent years, but I have no idea whether they held it for one day or for... Right. Could be, say, sure. eight years. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm going to go for Mr. Drew Galloway. Drew Galloway is a good guess, but it's not right, I'm afraid, oh, Joe. Fucking. I'm afraid not. Back to you, Paul. I'm actually surprised Mr. Drew Galloway is not on there. Mm. I will go for... Because I know he had some... Held the title for a while, had a feud with uh, Kurt Angle back in the day. I'll go for one Samoan Joseph. To my surprise, Samoa Joe not on there. Oh, what? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was hoping yeah. he'd be a big one. Okay. Oh well. And uh, final pick for you, Joe. Oh, final pick. Do I? I got two answers. Again, no idea whether they held it for like more than a month, but I'll go for. I don't know what his name in TNA was. Carrion Cross. <laughs> No, he's not on the list. No. Shit. Shit. Uh, f- final guess over to you, Paul. Uh, ooh, I was going. I had one, but I think he was NWA. I don't think he. I don't remember him holding it after 
it turned to TNA. Okay, I'll go for this one. Um, go for uh, Austin Aries slash Austin Star. Austin Aries did have a combined three reigns for 373 days. That gives you three points, Paul. Oh, okay. Another, uh, so I will just make a note here. So the scores there at the end, Joe, five, and Paul was, uh, oh my goodness, 17. Fucking hell. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's still all to play for. I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, just to give you the full list there from one down to three. Uh, most uh, I, I, There was a couple of, of ones I was surprised to see left on the table here. Uh, you got some of the top ones here. Kurt Angle, Lashley, Austin Aries, Bobby Roode, Sting. Uh, number six, three reigns, 249 days, Jeff Hardy. Oh, uh, fuck, of course. With uh, funny belt. Uh, number seven, two reigns, 220 days, AJ Styles. I said AJ Styles. I got AJ. Oh, sorry, you did. Sorry, yeah, seven. Uh, uh, number eight, after uh, uh, AJ, uh, one reign, but 196 days, Johnny Impact. Okay. What? Yeah, that was that's kind of Don't one when, when when you realize you go, oh shit, yeah, he held it for fucking ever when he was there. Sure. Uh number nine, uh uh two reigns, 196 days, bully ray. Ooh, uh, and fuck. finally, for ten points, one reign, 183 days. I would have been very impressed if either of you got this. Rich Swan. Mm. No, I wouldn't. I was that, thinking Christian Cage. That was the one that was NWA. Yeah, that would that was NWA. Yeah. So we move on anyway to the X Division title. Uh Nathan notes here. Unlike oh. the previous list, this one includes the early days of TNA right back to the weekly pay-per-view. So he says he hopes yeah. you're listening to the great You've Gotta Be Kidding Me podcast for the clues. Uh some of these I think <laughs> uh some of these I think uh you know, going back to the NWA, I, I, I think you, you, you might have a better fare here at this. Yeah. Um, so again, the same rules there. Basically, a uh, number of days in total is what we're looking for. All right. Uh, Joe started I'm last time. time. Paul, you go this time. Yeah, I go. I go. Chris Saban. Chris Saban, man who embodies the X Division in a lot of ways. Yeah. Eight total reigns. Uh, <laughs> Four hundred and twenty-six days. Gets you one point. He is the top. Oh, no. He was top. Fuck. That's, he's the top man in that division. Uh, over oh, to you, uh, Joe. I'll go Austin Aries. Austin Aries, six reigns. Actually, I'm shocked to see that. Uh, 370 days. He gets you two points, Joe. Oh, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, to be honest, I thought Chris Aben and, and Austin Aries would be lower on the list. Really? Okay. Yeah. But remember, I mean, Aries, Aries also had those big, long, huge reigns running up to his world titles. Remember? True. Um, uh, back to you, Paul. I'll go for... Uh, I'll go Samoa Joe. I know he had a long run at the beginning, but he didn't hold it much after that. Uh, we're f- with three points. Fi- <laughs> with five reigns, 350 days combined, he does, in fact, get you three points, Paul. <laughs> Back to you, Joe. All right, Joe, who got four points? Go on, get it. Uh, Chris Daniels. He's not quite number four, unfortunately. Uh, Daniels did have four reigns, though, across 333 total days. That gets you, Joe, five points. Okay, Okay, I'm going to skip the four. Mm. I'll go for... um, I'll go for Peter Williams. Excellent guess. Petey Williams, just two reigns. But 310 days combined. 
across those reins. Peter Williams gets you seven points, Paul. Okay. Invader um, of the Canadian Destroyer. Speaking of Williamses, uh, Douglas Williams. Douglas Ooh, one. Williams is a good one. The Brits have let you down three times in a row here, Joe. He's not on there, unfortunately. It's good, but it's not oh, right. Dear. If I could give you the money myself, I would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How many guests do I have left? One or two? Uh, that was you, you both had three. This is now number three. four. Okay. I'll go for a left field one. Will I? <laughs> so I just wanted to be sure. Like, let me just think more modern, maybe. Um, X division. I'll I'll go for um, Sheikh Abdul Bashir. That is a left field one. That's a, I I like I like what you're thinking, but no, no, I didn't hold it long enough. No, okay. Womp womp. Uh, I think I'm going to struggle to find another two. To be honest, um, I go for Elix Skipper. Elix mm, Skipper, like he's not I there. He's I'm more afraid. Of a tag team man. Yeah. yeah, I'm afraid not. Last guess here for Paul. <sighs> Let me think now. Um. I'll go for the safe. Well, he'd probably be number four. AJ Styles. Oh, AJ Styles is not number four, Paul. AJ Styles had six reigns across 272 yeah. days. AJ Styles gets you 10 points. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And we go back to Joe. Oh, God. Um, fucking TNA. I love how we went for Doug Williams and Sheikh Abdul Bashir before AJ Styles. Because I just thought it would be too obvious. I thought it would be number yeah. four. I've heard, uh, God, who else is there? Uh, oh, what's his name? I'm trying to think of that fucking red cage match where Homicide spent <laughs> 15 minutes trying to get out of the cage. <laughs> and what happened in that match? I go Suicide. That's a good one. Suicide is not on the list, unfortunately. Oh no! Um, the, I, I was I'm thinking I might give you one on the technicality. There, there's a guy who once played him, but I don't know if he, I don't know if that version was the champion or not. I, I will say, lads, you guys were getting very real creative, outside the box thinking, but this this list had perhaps the most obvious answers. So starting at the top here, okay. number one, Chris Saban, then Austerius, then Samojo. Number four, I, 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 I didn't expect anyone to get Trevor Lee, uh, 339 oh. days. Um, now. Yeah, yeah, Daniels then as well was number five. Uh, I didn't realize he held it for this long. Low key with 319 days, that would have gotten you six. Yeah. Petey Williams was gotten uh, six combined reigns for Jay Lethal, 294 mm. days. That would have gotten you eight points. Um, uh, AJ Styles obviously was ten. Number nine, you kind of forget, but he was very much one. He was very much that guy. Kazarian, five rings. I had Kazarian in my mind as well. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think those were more obvious. I think he went a bit too obscure on that one. Uh, the mm. score there for that round was Joe with a score of seven, and Paul with a score of twenty-one. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> It's TNA. I'm never gonna win. Yeah, yeah I was a, I was a big TNA boy back in the day. Uh, well, okay. John did WCW round last week as well. Hmm. 
so back here to Nathan, he says, now probably the most challenging Impact World Tag Team Championship. And these, once again, he notes, these start with TNA Slammiversary 2007. So Ooh, no okay. I, was, I was already thinking like, yeah, yeah, a- AMW, the naturals. Okay. Uh, so uh, we will go back to Joe uh for for this has to be beer money beer money had five reigns they had 514 days and that gets joe two points okay okay paul well it had to be beer money has to be more city machine guns ah he says it has to be more city machine guns he is absolutely correct two reigns 279 days, six points for Paul there. Uh, back to Joe. Fuck, why didn't I go for them instead? Um, <laughs> I'll go for, oh, God. Are the, are the Brits going to let me down again? Possibly. I'll do it anyway. The British invasion. They've let you down every step of the way, oh, Joe. Fucking They're not there. They're not there, unfortunately. Christ. Right. Go on, I'll go for I'll go for my uh, my boys who got mentioned on on uh, AEW Dynamite this week, LAX. Uh, yeah. uh, which version of LAX are you plumping for here? Homicide and Hernandez. Homicide and Hernandez. That gets you a big goose egg, Paul. I'm afraid. What? Ooh. What other LAX was there? Oh, there was they had that other fella for a second, I guess. Uh, back to Joe. Uh, I'll go for. The Rascals. The Rascals? <laughs> Poor Joe, I'm afraid not. Fucking hell. No, I, I, I would have said the Rascals as well. Yeah. Uh, but no joy there, unfortunately. Back to you, Paul. I'll go for a more modern one. I'll go for the North. The North. Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. Two reigns, 401 days. Paul, that gets you four points. So I know they held it for like the last year. Yeah, they were they were the team for a They're while. Always there. Juan Joe. Uh can I think of any other TNA tag teams? That is the question. Um hmm. I don't know if I could... That whole era where we used to watch TNA every week in like 2010. <laughs> I just can't like remember any of it. Wasted. All that wasted time. Like we watched, I think we named the three teams from then that I can actually remember. Um, oh, fuck knows. Um, I don't think they ever actually won. The, oh, Team 3D. Team 3D, to my shock, are not on there. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Paul, back to you. <laughs> well, Team Three. Well, this was since two thousand seven, right? Yeah. Well, Team. Yeah, they were maybe before because they joined two thousand five. I think. I. They definitely still had TNA. That sure, version. Yeah, the... They definitely had it, but I guess. I think the thing is that post. I'm not going to give any hints. Never mind. Uh, but okay. you're Don't don't give anything away. Is this my last one, or do I have another one after this? Uh, this is your second to last one. Okay. My God. Okay, who else apart from beer money and Motor City Machine Guns was there? Um, um, my God. I can only think about 2004 TNA. Um, 
I'll go for uh, the other LAX, which uh, the lads who are in Santana and Ortiz, since you asked me to specify it last time. <laughs> yeah, Santana and Ortiz, they had four combined reigns, 662 days. To my surprise, they are the number one team. Mm. Uh, all time impact uh, tag team champions most days. So yeah, you get one point for that there, Paul. Uh, back to you, okay. Joe. Not Baskets. 100% not 100% sure they were a tag team, but I'm going to go for Kaz and Daniels. Kaz and Daniels, they were a team. They, they were, were not tag team champions, unfortunately. They were called something else, weren't they? They weren't SEU. They were the called... The Addiction, um, wasn't it? Oh, no, a Bad Addiction. Bad Influence. Bad influence. Oh, oh, there were so many names. Yeah. Yeah, The Addiction was their Ring of Honor name. Yeah. Fortune 4. Uh, your last guess there, Paul. Um, God, who else would there have been? Okay, I have one. Um, and I again feels like they've been champions for like a year. Uh, I'll go for the current champions, the Good Brothers. The Good Brothers have two reigns currently on their second. They are at three hundred and thirty days plus ongoing, obviously. Uh, and that gets you five points. Oh, well done there. Uh, that one, I will say, so you looking at this list and you do kind of realize that uh, in the post TNA impact branded world, they've doubled down on long reigns a lot. So a lot yeah. of these are, are more modern. They're, They're modern. not your classic mm. TNA. Uh, but still, I, I would have expected you to get some of these. Number 10, I thought you'd never get. So that's fair. Uh, starting at the top here, number one, uh, LAX. Number two, be your money. Number three, the Wolves, Davy Richards and Eddie Edwards, 413 mm. ah, days. Yes. Uh, number four, you got the North. Number five, you got the Good Brothers. Number six, you got the Motor City Machine Guns. Number seven, the Hardys. I was going to say Hardys, but I just did not think. Mm. Yeah, 205 days. That's longer than I would have expected. Number mm. eight, kind of one of those ones, it seems obvious once you know what the decay, uh, 197 mm. days of basic race. Uh, number nine, again, this is more classic TNA, the Christian Coalition. Uh, AJ Styles and Tomko. Uh, just, <laughs> nope. just one reign, but 184 days for them. And number 10, I would have been stunned if anyone got this. Two reigns, 182 days. The Bromans. Oh, My favorite, Mr. Pectacular. Rob, Robbie E. and uh, Jesse Godders. Jesse uh, Godders. Oh. They, they were great, to be fair. Thank you so much, Nathan, as always, for the pointless quiz. Uh, that was a, that was great fun. Uh, the total scores here, as I I, I tot them up. Uh, well, let's no, let's let's do some totting. <laughs> let's do some totting. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul, with a total score of fifty-four points, is the winner. Okay. Congratulations, Paul, and Joe, uh, runner up there with fourteen. Uh, I was just looking down the lists though, and I feel like if it had been top twenty, I think I would have won because I got okay, so yeah, many that were like fifteenth or seventeenth. I was like, yeah, it. you were you were going for like, like especially all the British picks. You were going for deeper cuts. I think that mm. was ironically that's what came to bite you is they were people who were not ranked at all because um, you simply know your TNA too well, too well. If anything, um, well, let me just look up Sheikh, Ab- Sheikh Abdul Bashir would have got me twenty nine points. So it would have been tight. <laughs> he, was, sure. he, was, he was not near the top 10. 
uh, sticking, uh, we'll jump there. Thank you very much, Nathan, as always, for emailing. If anyone else wants to email chairshoppodcast.com, you can pop us your correspondence. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I do have one here from Scott the Boy McAvoy. He says, listening to last week's show and how you started off discussing when the show quality improved. As the unofficial show historian, I'd have to say it's been sounding good for over five years, five years now. You've all picked up actual microphones to do the show with, which helped a lot. Also, it helps that Paul is no longer in a shed and you aren't in a wind tunnel. Uh, he is he's right he, uh, he says i do miss the odd uh, ott conversation i hear how joe going to a concert was uh, the best part was leaving but oddly enough hearing reviews of raw smackdown impact and nxt aren't something i really even noticed you stopped doing yeah i think i think that was a very gradual phase out i think that's kind of you know it just kind of it petered out there at the end uh now that both you and your partner's jobs are work from home and are you looking for a house have you thought about moving into a different town uh no um the options here are good enough that we were we're looking locally. Uh, if if they dried up and we were still looking in a year's time, I think then we would absolutely have to have those those questions. Uh, for now, we're we're fairly happy with what we see. So so fingers crossed for for something local. Uh, last question here for Scotty says: What was the last movie on Netflix that you really looked forward to seeing that completely disappointed you when you saw it? Army of the Dead, Free Guy, Open House. Have a great week, Scott. Thank you as always. Scott for the email. I would have to say you did include it in your mail day. Uh coming off the high, the shocking high of Zack Snyder's Justice League. I, I was like, okay, you've you've won me around, Mr. Snyder. You've got your little zombie movie. It has Dave Batiste in it. You've made a good zombie movie before. Let's go. And then it's become Stealing Turd. Um so uh so that I did like that like returning to normalcy of disliking his films though. Uh so that was one bonus. Uh but thank you, Scott, for your emails. Uh I have one for that as well. Uh Alex Garland, who wrote Twenty Eight Days Later, wrote Dread, mm. directed somewhat Dread as well, directed and wrote Ex Machina. I was very excited for when Annihilation was due to come to Netflix, and ooh, I did not like it whatsoever. Hmm. Anything for you, Joe? Um, yeah, but I can't think at the minute. I'll have a think. Okay, I'll throw I'll throw the Cloverfield Paradox on there. Oh, so. yeah, that was shit. Yeah, that was shit. Yeah, what an absolute stinker that one was. Uh, Netflix, you let me down too many times. Uh, I've got an email from Scott as well. Go for it. He says, subject, quick homeowner tip. Uh, good evening, Joe. Listening to your adventure with your computer and your purchase of a hacksaw, I have a tip that may help you in the future. Get yourself a Dremel. The things have a hundred uses, including using a cutting disc to cut a slot into a strip screw so you can get a screwdriver into it. You'll find a rotary tool to be very useful around a house. That is good advice, Scott. I have, yeah, a Dremel drill would be very useful. I may, I may look into that. I'm expanding my toolbox. Um, the uh, excitement with the laptop kind of forced me to buy lots of new tools, so it's expanded quite rapidly recently. Yeah, but a drill is something I really do need. Um, yeah. He says, I have two documentaries I'm curious if you've seen. Chef's Table, which is a story of six different chefs and how they got to where they are. Uh, and the other is Icarus, which is about steroids in sports. Mm. Uh, I've seen neither of those. I'll be honest. Have you guys seen? I just no. Icarus no. is a very famous one, though. Okay, but I've never seen it. I haven't come across those. I may, you know, if I do see those in the future, I'll definitely check them out. Uh, and Scott finishes with a quick pick one. 
Um, please rank the following movie series. Uh, number one, Hobbit slash Lord of the Rings. Oh, that changes it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where Joe's putting that one. <laughs> two, Mission Impossible. Mm. Ooh. And three, Jurassic Park. Have a good week, Scott. Well, Scott, I, I I don't like Lord of the Rings and all that nonsense. Uh, Mission Impossible. I know people do like that. I I didn't really enjoy the ones I watched. If I'm in all honesty, I like the first one was all right, but I didn't really like the rest. So for me, Jurassic Park, the first one is one of the greatest films of all time. I think. And uh, the sequels, sort of, eh, good and bad. Jurassic World is shite, but I'm not going to even include that in. Mm in the franchise but yeah on the strength of purely the first movie for me it'd be jurassic park i do love that first movie but if we're talking franchises it would pain me but i I'd, i would see that first movie go because i couldn't i couldn't i wouldn't watch all the rest of that crap but mission impossible baby oh yeah cool guys in in night vision mm. goggles doing karate and slow motion car chases and then all in the face oh, oh and also, also i look at me and you was this character i'm actually someone else <laughs> what yeah uh, i put put the little uh, nerd sword fairy thing in the bin <laughs> put that in the bin uh five hours of but i can't ride a norgal flame into I have of mind bow quite the elves, the elves will not allow it thou lettest me worry about the elves <laughs> I love this criticism. At the same time, people just wanking furiously over Game of Thrones. It's the fucking exact same thing. <laughs> no, because Game of Thrones has actual wanking in it. That makes it better. Yes. Yeah, okay. Game, Game of Thrones was ten times more boring than Lord of the Rings. Ever. No, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a separate debate. That is a separate Girl debate. Girl must not have a face. Game, we'll Game of Thrones is not in the list. Game of Thrones is not in the list. Game of Thrones is not in the list. We're talking about ripping your face off. If someone ripped their face off, I said, actually, King of the Elves. And I say that you, thou canst go to Dingle form. Oh no, Tolkien invented that shit. Fuck off. The, fucking, uh, but the, the proclamation of the trees doth say that the wine oh be. Doth say is. They don't talk like that, Lord. That's uh, but, like sh- but, but has thou the ring? No, they don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay. Oh, I'm on a wire, and also I'm not actually Tom Cruise. Pew, 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 pew. Excellent. <laughs> That's a film, mate. Uh, I will give the the correct answer. Um, I I think Jurassic Park is big thumbs up. I actually like Jurassic Park three. I think the Lost World is is really dull. I think Jurassic Park three is like bordering into kind of so bad it's fun. Uh, I like Jurassic World, and I thought Falling Kingdom sucked. So it's it's a very up and down franchise. Uh, the Lord of the Rings are great. The Hobbit are not great. Uh, Hobbit three in particular is is shit, and one is complete mess. Two is alright. But when you get people taking their faces off, and it's a different person, and um, you know Tom Cruise is like, how can we do this fight scene? Uh, let's just do. We're just in planes, and we're just fighting planes instead of throwing fists. We're throwing planes at each other. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Mission Possible is the best. Um, um, from four to six is fucking the most fun you'll have. One, two, and three are fine. I mean, if the funny thing is, if you if you consider the Mission Impossible franchise, but you've only seen the first three, 
you you must be like, what's all the hype about? It's yeah. fine. The point is that it's four, five, and six that are crazily good. Um, so I, just in terms of consistency, I'll say Mission Possible at the top, um, and then join second the other two because the other two have some really good bits, and then some bits you're like, why are we doing here anymore? Why are we on the sixth story of Glimlong and the Ring? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I can see, I can see that. Anyway, Game of Thrones. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Game of Thrones was, was was never that good in the first place. For people who were like, it, it, the ending sucked. Season five was even worse than uh, the last no, season. Why are you people no, talking about it? No, it was so it, boring. It was good. It was uh, great. No, no, it wasn't. Um, okay, I have an email too. Let me read it. Good email. Uh, it's from Scott. He says Game of Thrones is good. <laughs> I've been undermined. <laughs> Now, it's a movie question. He says, good evening. Hearing your discussion about the movies you saw last week, Kimmy in particular, that was the only movie I were talking about last week, Scott, uh, made me wonder if you've seen the movie called The Final Cut. Uh, it's a Robin Williams thriller that I think you'd enjoy. And uh, no, he doesn't play a teenage goth girl with a razor blade. Well, I, that's honestly fun if he did. That'd be a, a weird casting for Robin Williams. But uh, I tell you what, I did look up to see if the final cut was on any of the streaming services that I have uh, access to, and it wasn't, I'm sad to say. But uh, that might be one that I uh, I check out on the special streaming service uh, after I watch all my Oscar movies. Um, he says, I noticed with the remake machine is at it again with a March release of Cheaper by the Dozen. Oh, uh, God. The original had Steve Martin and Hilary Duff, among a ton of other stars. Yeah. The remake stars Zach Braff. I think it's Gabrielle Union who's in it as well. Oh uh, is there any God. chance this new version will be will even be tolerable? No, because it's direct to Disney+. Plus. It's one of those oh. home sweet home alone likes where they whack out an absolute piss for just to have content on the streaming service. Uh, no, it will not be any good. And Zach Braff isn't even a good actor anyway. He no, like Scrubs really. is fun. But I don't watch Zach Braff in anything else. Also, from listening to the uh, Scrubs podcast, he he's one of those takes himself way too seriously for a guy who had success in a sitcom once. Remember, remember uh, that punk thing where he threatened to kill that child or whatever he did. <laughs> he he he's a very a very thin skinned uh, celebrity. Uh, no, that fil- that film would not be any good, Scott. Don't watch it. Um, pick one superhero edition. Mm. Uh, Josh Brolin, Chris. Helmsworth, Scott. I have to correct you on that one. It's Hemsworth. If you if you watch that bit in Red Letter Media where they give it to Rich Evans for making the exact same mistake, uh, Hemsworth does not have an L in it, Scott. I'm afraid to uh, inform you. Um, Michael Keaton. Have a great week. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Michael Keaton from those three because he not only played Batman and is about to play Batman again, but also played Batman in Birdman, which is a film that's ostensibly about Batman but isn't. And he was the Vulture. Uh, and he's. And he's great in all the films. And he's the vulture. He's also a good villain. Yeah, he's the the, the best all rounder. Yeah, those, those other two are fucking jabronis compared to <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. Ooh, I'm I'm Thor over here again. Hey, look at my fucking rippling abs. No, thank you. Uh, Josh Brolin. Ugh. Who, he's the, right. Is he I, the big purple man? He, he big purple he's, boy. he's Thanos he's and Broco. he's um um uh, gunman in Deadpool two. Gunman. Yeah, Cable. Cable. Um, that is it. Um. Yeah, I like. I like. I like the Brolin, but I mean, yeah, you can't. You can't argue with Keaton. Yeah, Keaton. Because he's he Batman. Says, Have a great week. Thank you, Scott. He is Batman. He was Batman before Batman was this. Yeah, he was just like, "Hey, I'm Batman." 
hey, I'm Batman. I'm, I'm the same voice as the other fella, and I look like him. I want to see what of it. I want to see Michael Keaton play an old Spider-Man. Oh, Can you get that going? Yeah. Like I think we could, yeah, in a metaverse kind of thing. Let's get that going. Yeah. Well, I like DC that they're trying to do that now as well. Going, eh, he's in the Flash as Batman again. Get it? Um. Anyway, I have an email from Michelle as well. Ooh. Book recommendation. Oh my god, I forgot I was supposed to. I was reading that uh, Richard Osmond book. I got twenty chapters in and forgot I had it. I need to get back onto that. Um, hi Paul, I'm currently re- currently reading a book called Meet Me in the Bathroom, mm. which is about the rebirth of rock and roll from New York City after 2001. The author attributes the Stokes. F- oh, fuck, let me read that again. The- <laughs> Take a shot. The author attributes the strokes forming and launching as the kickoff and resurgence of proper guitar rock after 80s synths there's that fucking word again and keyboards and the 90s grunge and pop uh i've been finding it fascinating seeing how all these bands we grew up with in our teenage years got together and influenced each other i highly highly recommend i've also been listening to a spotify playlist with all the songs mentioned in the book which has been fun Uh, it's being turned into a documentary coming out later this year so you could wait for that, but the book is worth it. Uh, so there you go. So the the I don't, I'm not too educated on the early 2000s rock scene in the US. I must say, because when I, when I think early 2000s, I'm th- I think you know, new metal and pop punk was kind of hmm. at its height then, right? So stuff like The Strokes, I must admit, is is somewhat of a a, a blind spot in my music. Uh, knowledge so that might be one that i uh, i get around to if not you know the documentary as i've just mentioned i'm i'm not the best book reader um like that last week when natty and myself knocked the mirror off the uh wall <laughs> that's the book fell down it's just been there for a week it's, it's up on the radiator now but i completely forgot i even was reading that book i have to get back to it uh that's my emails those are the emails See yeah, so we can get to the wrestling sort of guff, the, the the biggest story since we started covering wrestling in 2010. You Cody think Rhodes so? Gone from AW. I, let's just let's just one more time for the memories. Oh. There's more than one royal family in wrestling. Weird synthesizers in the back. Is this his entrance song from like an unlicensed like five star wrestling game or something like that? There's only one family in wrestling. I mean, like with the way the current WWE music is at the moment, he's going to be coming out with and just the words Cody Rhodes on the screen behind him. Cody Rhodes has left the AEW yeah, and is presumably going back to WWE. Now, as someone who has enjoyed the odd Cody segment, I sort of have the mindset of don't let the door hit you on the way out <laughs> uh, wow. because I can't because I, I I feel like I won't miss the um, inconsistency of it some weeks being great and then other weeks being an absolute embarrassment 
Um, and I, I, you know, I don't need AEW to do the thing where it's like, oh, well, it wasn't great, but it got you talking. Don't care about that. I'd rather be good, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, double that for for Brandy, obviously. Um, what do you lads think? I was, I was just shocked. I'm still in shock. I just, I thought his whole, his whole kind of persona is the anti WWE building an alternative thing. But I guess uh, if your ego is bigger than your talent, then sometimes wow. your nose gets put out of joint. You know, if you're, if you think uh, you're the, the biggest dog in the territory and then you should be paid as such, but you're not, then mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Maybe it comes to this. I don't know. Who knows what his decision is. I'm being a bit harsh because he's he is very good. I have enjoyed him more often than not over the last three years. I think he's been really, really good. He's, he stepped up from his WWE days and was uh, incredibly entertaining. And even, you know, five-star match with Sammy Guevara on the way out. Um, Yeah, but I'm kind of surprised. I thought he was, you know, AEW. He's one of those kind of founding fathers, but... Who knows whether it's he doesn't like the direction, he doesn't like the fact that he's not the the main guy. Hard to say, hard to say. But um, I'd be very intrigued to see. I mean, I won't obviously watch it if he's in WWE because I won't watch that shit anymore. Um, but I'd be interested to kind of find out like how he how he prospers there if he does end up going there. I can't imagine it going well because no one <laughs> no one does well there apart from Brock Rome, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. So. Oh. There we go. I'm gonna. It's sad. It's sad as well. It is. Like, I mean, I remember. Remember the good times. The the total package of the year winner during the first year of AW. Cody Rhodes was he? I guess he won twenty 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 nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of really good stuff. He had the the match with Dustin, the the title feud with uh, with Chris Jericho. Um. Some really great stuff. And then, yeah, I mean, looking back now, the uh, the self-imposed I won't challenge for the AEW world title stipulation mm-hmm. seems to have uh, really limited his, uh, his output, especially in the last year when, you know, we, we, we can look back and say, yeah, Cody had these really good promos. The classic Cody Rhodes lip tremble. Uh into the and, the and the voice crack. Like, I mean, no, no other wrestler does it better than Mister Rose. But uh, I mean, that being said, he was kind of spinning his wheels for the last year. He was like, when you think like Anthony Agogo, Malachi, Andrade, a dabble with dabbling with the the TNT title. Like, what of real, you know, consequence has he been involved in? over the last year and it throw in the QT Marshall feud in that as well. Like Cody was always a, a reliable, you know, feels like a big star over the last few years, but what had he been involved in over the last year that was really felt important or, or was good, you know? Um, it was always fun when you get his big entrance and he come out and fucking feel like a superstar, but like feud wise, I don't know that he, he did anything in the last year that felt like worthy of being the highest paid wrestler on, on the roster, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sad as well because I remember the good times before he, he put a restriction on himself, what he could do on the show and how important he could be. 
Um, which looking back seems like the weirdest thing. Like, why did they? If I guess it felt like they he they did the you can't challenge for the AW world title stipulation. So like to elevate the other stuff, like the TNT title, which I think they did pretty successfully. Um, but looking back, it like what do you do with Cody Rhodes then? If he can't yeah. be the world champion, you know what's the point of having him around? Um, and it doesn't feel like this upcoming pay per view is going to be lacking without him either. No, because he again his feuds were very lackluster over the last year. Um, like I would struggle to recall a really good singular Cody Rhodes segment from the yeah. last year. Well, apart from when Arn Anderson threatened to shoot him. Ah, oh, that, was, yeah. that was a good Aaron Anderson segment. That was yeah. yeah you're right. When Arn was in his back garden burning his suit. <laughs> okay, yeah, but even even those good moments singularly were part of a weird, disjointed storyline. Yeah. It didn't make a lot of sense ultimately and had no payoff. Yeah. Because Cody continued to act and wrestle the same. I think the um kind of makes me think of a, a criticism that we had before AEW started, which was you know, with WWE, what you would have had in the past is that guys, once they got a bit stale after a few years, would have left and gone to WCW or ECW or Japan or whatever. Sure. And the problem has been the last 20 years is that you know, the likes of like The Miz and Kofi and Sheamus probably, you know, they, they've stayed there for like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, kind of doing the same thing. So this is yeah. almost kind of a throwback to when guys would move between the two big companies, you know, every few years to kind of freshen up. So in a way, it, I think it's a positive thing that we may get him, you know, going somewhere else and doing something different from a little while and then maybe coming back in two or three years. It just feels a bit, I don't know, a bit strange, a bit sad because we haven't had it in a while. And also the fact that he's going to go to WWE and be number 14 in the greatest uh, Royal Rumble in <laughs> yeah. Riyadh, you know, and get eliminated by big, big, Rick, big Rick Boogs, or whatever his name is, you know, is... <laughs> I think dog singler. No, I think if he goes there, he'll be in the top. Uh, at least I think initially. for about three months. Yeah, could be. Then Vince, will, then Vince will go. But like, look yes. at the WrestleMania build and how fucking desperate they are for anyone of any importance. Get Steve Austin on the phone. He's not wrestled in nineteen years, and he's fifty-seven <laughs> years old. Do you know? Like, they, have, they him, have, have him wrestle. Have him wrestle the guy that got thrown out of the Royal Rumble by Shane McMahon, my fat-fired son. <laughs> Why are you wrestling yeah. Kevin Owens? Kevin Owens is shit. No, Kevin Owens is good, but like Kevin Owens... No, Kevin Owens is good. Uh, Kevin Owens is good, he's just... A, but Kevin Owens, what? for all intents and purposes, is, is like... And this is not a, a, um, a slight at Kevin Owens as a like performer, but character-wise, Kevin Owens is like Aldi Steve Austin. So why put Steve Austin against the guy who's doing the Steve Austin character today? Like, I don't understand why they do that. Yeah. Um, but like that. And then, like, Logan Paul's in. Fucking Bad Bunny would be on it again, probably. Johnny Knoxville, yeah. apparently, is going to be back from it. Like, they, they're so starved for anyone of any importance. You have this guy who's coming in who has the, the shine of he was a big guy, well, in mm. 2019. And this other company, ah, you know, they'll, they'll push him. He's a, he's a reliable performer as well, you know? I think he's everything they want in a main eventer. He wasn't back when he was Stardust, but now he's kind of developed to that level. I think they will push him. And yeah, I, I think it, the, the initial reaction is that it's sad because we're obviously AEW fans and we want to see the best in AEW. But to your point, Joe, yeah, I, th- I think I think the, the freedom of movement between the two companies and the balance that brings is important and is a, a net positive. Um, 
AW does at the same time feel a little bit overstuffed at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so even though, you know, Cody Rhodes, maybe not in the last year, but generally throughout his AEW stay was was a, a, a big a big performer for AEW. And now and especially, you know, we don't know what his influence behind the scenes was as well. Apparently that's lessened since Tony Khan has more taken the reins. But you know, whenever you would see Cody backstage, he was like producing the show, he had the headset on, da 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 da. I don't know how much of a loss that's that's going to be, but you know, if he's happy and AW are happy, and that means, look, if if a Cody moves aside, and that that means that there's more spot for like a Miro, you know, so be it. If Brandy's happy, that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> like she can come you out on SmackDown and go, "I'm that bitch." And then, yeah, yeah, Brandy is is the, the weirdest case because. Brandy is, for all intents and purposes, a good performer, and yet nothing ever fit Brandy character-wise mm. or like as a baby face. I think Brandy at her strongest was like when she was a heel, uh, because for whatever reason, whatever the reason is, people have like a, a dislike for her. Whether it's because she's not earned her way in the biz or whatever it might be, but um, yeah, I think she's less of a direct hit to the company than Cody moving is. Mm. Yeah, and what does it mean now for? You know, uh, so many of the early, really important AEW moments have involved Cody. He, like we just had the on Dynamite, the dog collar match, uh, yeah, being made. And of course, the only dog collar match in AEW history was Mister Brody Lee against Cody Rhodes. So, Cody is very inherent in the the milestones of early AEW. You know, but yeah, may- maybe AEW as a company is, is even approaches that differently than WWE, where it's not like okay, Cody doesn't necessarily need to be wiped off the face of the company and never mentioned ever again. You know, as no, it would happen the other was, way around. It was a great tribute. They all, everyone came out and played tributes to him. It wasn't like a best of best of luck in your future endeavors. Here's all of your clothes in a fucking garbage bag. <laughs> um, here's, here's your Homelander costume with shit on it. You know, in a box like it was it was very nice and dignified so i'm sure i'm sure he'll be back in two or three years i'm sure he will be back and it will be a big homecoming you know return and everyone he'll come out and hug tony khan and the bucks and yeah, be like, yeah yeah he's back you know maybe he'll win the world maybe they'll forget the world title stipulation because he's left and so it'll be like yeah or something I, don't know. I mean i don't know if he'll ever come back and i don't think it's i don't think it's super important but um, he may he may well come yeah. back, but depending on how much WWE are going to pay him and how his WWE run goes, you know that might have an impact on that. But also, um, AW it just underlines for me how AW is very different now than when they launched in 2019. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's a big thing. Do you know what I, I mean? Can, it's like yeah. remember when remember when their tier for like episode one, the tier of surprise was Jake Hager. Mm-hmm. And when some people are like, oh, what's the point? It's like a lot of people like, you know, Melson, they're like, well, that's that's who's out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the reality of who's out there. That has completely changed in two years. Um, yeah. You know, um, but even even if it didn't, even if they were still, you know, kind of uh, slim picking star wise, I think something you mentioned there earlier is that there's nothing wrong with people having their run in one place and then going elsewhere. Um, that, sh- that should be the one one of the big, massive net positives to wrestling that AEW brings, which is that it's a place for you to just go elsewhere. Yeah. And to be honest, if that freshens up the WWE, um, you know, TV 
for those who watch WWE, then that's a good thing. I'm, I was going to say for WWE, but like fuck WWE, to be honest. Um, yeah. But like if you're someone who watches SmackDown and it freshens up that experience for you, good, you know? I think that's a net positive. If you've died on your sofa in 2019 and had Fox still on the TV, <laughs> then you're going to enjoy seeing Cody Rhodes every week as you slowly rot away. Yeah, I reckon I'm going to make a, a, a bold prediction as well, that it, which is if he shows up, I, I should have had this on the fucking prediction show. If he shows mm-hmm. up uh, uh, on WWE, he will still have his Kingdom theme song. That's my prediction. The, that's a fair prediction. The funny thing is, it's funny you mentioned the predictions we did at the top of the year, because this is a thing. Didn't we We had a, we had, didn't we have a prediction that was the first big jump? I don't think we did, actually. Uh, maybe, but, but it's like, no, I don't think anyone would have predicted this, you know. Um, uh, of all people, of all major stars, to do the jump, I, I, I don't think this one of the EVPs would have would have been predicted. Well, not even that, but just the, I, because of the way that Cody had been handled in WWE in his last run, where he was the stardust character and he was portrayed as a geek, and he went out to Ring, Ring of Honor, got this new theme song that was like, "I'm in the Triple H," you know, <laughs> but Dusty Rhodes, and now I'm fucking doing it, and now for him to go back there, that that's what's the weirdest thing about it is if he ends up back at WWE, the the kind of source for his uh, character for the last five years or however long it's been, seven years. Yeah, it's kind of, it's weird, but I think it's I think it's I think it's good because the wrestling environment has been too has been stale for a long time. So mm. if you have people moving around, it just makes it it makes it less predictable, you know. As we saw over the last years, we got Danielson and Punk and everyone moving one way. It, you know, I think I think it keeps keeps you on your toes as a fan. I think that's good. Indeed, uh, we will move on then to the rest of the AEW um, news. Really good dynamite this week, I thought. Mm. Um, you know, nice, nice, good, firm foot forward for the post Cody era. Uh, tremendous punk promo as we've come to expect every single week. Um, tremendous Danielson and Mox promo. Yeah. Uh, very what did you guys make of the show? Very good. Stacked. They stacked it up front with uh, Punk and MJF, Mox and Brian, Keith Lee, Hangman. They put all the big boys up front, which kind of made it meant, I think, as the show went on, it maybe tailed off a little bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, really strong start to the show. And I'm very interested in all those feuds. You know, Punk MJF should be really good. Uh, yeah, Mox and Brian, kind of interesting the way they're playing that out. And um, yeah, Paige and Cole should be really good as well. I'm looking forward to that. Some very good matches. Revolution. Uh, I really liked Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. I thought that was yeah. a great brawl. Yeah, for example. No, I, did, I, I don't have much else to say that hasn't been said already. I think the Punk promo was really good i like that mjf was like speechless for the first time that was mm. that was really well done um danielson moriarty was very good and i i, I thought the moxley danielson thing was very very interesting i think we talked a few weeks ago about like what's the more interesting way to go forward with this mm. story and i think they are going in, a, in an interesting way um what else yeah i was a little bit disappointed with the uh the Guevara Darby Allen match, not the match itself necessarily, but that you know, in twenty, what year of our Lord is it today, uh, twenty twenty two, that the the main event of AW Dynamite is ending with Matt Hardy 
run -ins. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. You know. Also, you cannot tell me that uh, hitting me in the head with an iPad would lock me out. I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't understand why that's the death blow it is. An iPad um, is a flimsy little thin device. He should be breaking it every time. It should break every time. And you should have a new like one next Like, a week. laptop, I could just about buy. But an iPad? You I'd be you afraid... You use as a weapon an iPad. original Xbox. <laughs> the Duke controller. Yeah. <laughs> you do well carrying an original Xbox down to the ring. Or a PS5. Um, otherwise, I thought Dynamite was very strong. I tell you what, though. I find... Even though I think it's still standard wise is okay it is good like i just find like rampage is becoming less and less story driven and more and yeah. more times i sit down in front of it and i'm looking at my phone and my mind is wandering and i'm actually yeah. not paying much attention to it at all they need to change that they need to they need to actually use it as a second dynamite as opposed to here's some matches we couldn't fit on dynamite like you need to have a, a a promo, have an MJF promo on Rampage the odd time, or or do something of some consequence because you know it, it's kind of a vicious circle where you might say, well, we need to have the important stuff in Dynamite because less people watch Rampage, but then because you don't put stuff on Rampage, there's less incentive for people to watch it, so you're kind of stuck in a a vicious circle there. But like again, Rampage was good, but I would struggle to tell you anything about it in. I don't know, years time. Apart from Jay White made his debut, that was it. But Which was alright. <laughs> you know, um I think Trent Perez is having a great run. I think you yeah. know Trent Perez is on a hell of a run. I have just never really got it with Jay White. No, I li I, I like Jay White. I think it's good. But then yeah, there wasn't much else. Will Hobbs Dante Martin was good fun as well. I enjoyed that, yeah. Uh Adam Cole versus Preston Vance was fine. Um and uh, I tell you what I don't like for Revolution, just to, to get to next week's dynamite. Mm. A three-way for the belts where it's two battle royals to determine the the top contenders. How convoluted is that? I mean, it's just I know they probably just want to get to the Bucks and Red Dragon drama, which mm. is fine. But oh, fucking hell, have have them just win two regular matches would be my recommendation. <laughs> Why two battle royals? I'll never know. Yeah, you say there's two top contenders and we can't separate them, so they both get a shot. Or something like yeah, that. But yeah. It's or do ha have a, a, a eliminator match and have it be a draw or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A anything, anything. It's not like um, they haven't done that in wrestling a million times before to make a triple threat match. You know, AW don't do it all the time. You can do it once. It's fine. But uh, I will say, other than that, I think the, the pay per view looks pretty great. Also, I know it wasn't this week, but they they way over blue. Do you know when Mercedes Martinez hit her with the pipe the first time? Hmm. How much they talked about that being the first DQ in like TV history? Well, yeah, they should. They should. Yeah, but you can mention it, but they talked about it for like 10 minutes, it felt like. Because they, <laughs> they want you to know, we swear we're not going to do this all the time. Yeah, but you, you know, you can not do it, but then to pat yourself on the back for not doing it felt a bit egregious. Because she's Like we know, we know by virtue of watching it. That's not something that happens all the time. And then um, last thing is mm. that, you know, we obviously watched the Royal Rumble uh, this year, and we marveled at, oh, Lashley's not taking them German suplexes very well. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's already got all fucked up. 
and he's injured. <laughs> That's a shame. Yeah, he hasn't yeah, so he hasn't wrestled he... since Royal Rumble. And Has he not? Okay. Him. No, That's that was the that was the last match he wrestled was against Brock Lesnar at the Royal Okay, lost the belt. Lost they flew him out to Saudi Arabia to pretend to be in a match. He got injured in the match before ever entering the elimination chamber, and got taken out and flown home. And now he's got to have shoulder surgery. Apparently, twelve hours on a fucking plane to do that. Oh my god! Yeah, the so problem is they shame. couldn't just do a you know. Oh, he got in, he got hurt backstage. They had to figure out a way to like have him lose the title, but not have it be obvious that he can't actually have a match, you know? Um, yeah. Unfortunately, but, but yeah, he, was, he, he wasn't taking them German suplexes as well. And I wonder mm. now if it's because he was hurt. I would say presumably, yeah, because he was already hurt, I would say is probably the the, mm. the reason. Uh, so that, that leads us to Brock versus Roman for the 50th time for the uh, title yeah. versus title, and it is going to be apparently winner takes all. Which seems silly because then someone's going to have to lose one of them. Uh, unless Roman's winning and literally holding them for a year until he faces Rock, you know. Um, which maybe he is. Um, maybe he'll throw one of the belts in the bin after he wins it or some shit like that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that was a good um, was a good WrestleMania main event, whatever that was. The, the, the famous burger bet oh, WrestleMania seven, main event. Seven years ago. Yeah, seven years and, ago and three years ago as well, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. and once in Saudi, oh, yeah. I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's that for you. Um, okay, uh, I think that will um, that will do it for now. We will be back next week uh, with more of your emails, of course, more wrestling chit chat, any more Cody fallout, more movies, games, TV shows, possibly some music, all that good stuff. So if you do want to get in touch, chairshoppodcast.com. Do pop us a mm-hmm. mail with your takes, your questions, your your quizzes, whatever you want to do. Yeah, you're, uh, you're all on a good streak of sending emails in. Don't break it. Yes, they've all been <laughs> very good. We've enjoyed the quizzes. We've enjoyed the questions. Um, yeah. So we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, it's goodbye from me, Barry. It's goodbye from Paul. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>